Hey guys, this is Pete. Before we start the show, I just wanted to give a quick shameless plug for my debut novel entitled Frankenstein, A Life Beyond. It's the first direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic and follows Ernest Frankenstein, the sole survivor of the original book. Like mystery, adventure, romance, horror, and this is the ebook for you. Check it out today on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and my website, EnceladusLiterary.com. That's E-N-C-E-L-A-D-U-S-Literary.com. Thanks. Now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. <laughs> we give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. From director Christopher Nolan comes the obligatory finale to his Dark Knight trilogy that clearly peaked with the Joker. The Dark Knight Rises, the epic final chapter that'll mildly entertain you when you're watching it, but will ultimately anger and disappoint you when you really start to think about it. With your host, Pete. Oh boy, I do not feel like being Gotham's reckoning today. Yeah, good, good drinking friends you are, poison ivy and clayface. Dropped me out from this castle. This is what I think of our friendship. I just broke one of your plans, you stupid bitch. And Greg. Oh, what a hero. Huh? Hey, what are you doing for the next couple of months? You want to go to the same cafe in Italy with me every day and wait for my butler? Fuck this. And we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. Let's not stand on ceremony here, Mr. Wayne. Sounds good to me, Manhart. What's this? Sleeping agents? Yeah. I was going to save them for later. Then I thought, now's good. You'll have to do better than... Uh, Okay, that can do it. Well, welcome to a very special episode of Hindsight is 2020, where Tom Hanks plays our drunk uncle who fights his alcohol addiction when Michael J. Fox tries to... Oh, wait. Did that already happen? Or... <laughs> very special episode of Family Time. <laughs> welcome to a very special episode of Hindsight is 2020, where today we're going to change up our format a little bit instead of rambling on about our ideas. We're going to ramble on about our ideas. While a movie's playing, because we're hey, going, what yeah, a treat! <laughs> we're we're going to do our attempt at a commentary for 2012's *The Dark Knight Rises*, a, a film that uh, we we have both taken now about a year to pick apart and think, huh? Not as good as I had hoped. I think it's the uh, ultimate end game for both of our opinions. And and to be fair, I mean, any film that was going to follow up The Dark Knight had a lot of expectations riding on it. Uh, I think it always had the potential to not be as satisfying a film as The Dark Knight is. And so we freely acknowledge that. Absolutely. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the movie. We're going to set it up so that you can follow along at home if you so desire. 
But when we're going through the movie, we're going to pick out what we like, but more importantly, because that's what we do here, and that's why you're here, we're going to pick out what really should have been done differently, (laughs) what our opinions are about the massive plot holes you could drive a freaking tanker truck through. And to tighten this sucker up. Yeah, not even just, this thing needs a little bit more than a screwdriver and a socket (laughs) wrench to tighten up. This, this, This thing needs to be rebuilt from scratch. But there's some good bones there, like we've done with our Star Wars and other things. We're going to work off the bones that exist. So instead of flat-out rebooting it, we're going to say, all right, The Dark Knight, Batman Begins, that was done. Somebody, Chris Nolan, comes to us and say, we want you, for some strange reason, to write Dark Knight, <laughs> the third in their Dark Knight. Are you role. saying it can't happen? Come well, time-traveling here, but... Sure. So that's what we're going to attempt to do. Okay, so if you want to get your DVD players, your Blu-ray player, your iTunes, whatever it is, ready at home, we are currently sitting at the Warner Brothers Shield, where it says a Time Warner Company. So we're going to all press play and a countdown. So ready? We're going to start counting down now. 100, 99, 98. Uh, should we do it with bottles of beer on the wall? We can sing our way down. I just I just spend the entire first part counting down to when we start. <laughs> we we can do Dark Helmet's way of doing it. You're always preparing. Just go. 63, 62. <laughs> How about you just skip ahead and say go when the door is closed? <laughs> All right. Three, two, one. And hey, we're playing and fading out now to the legendary logo. I was really tempted to throw in a Monty Python 5 when you have <laughs> Why not? So we're at the legendary logo. We don't need to talk about business-wise, but hey, we're right in the period now where the Warner Brothers legendary team-up has broken up after years and years of, well, team-up with all the Batmans and Superman Returns and 300 and... Basically, all the big Warner Brothers movies have been legendary. So Hangover. this Man of Steel is the first non No, actually, that's the last one. That's the oh, last. it's the last one? Okay. Well, no. I think they're doing Pacific Rim as well. But then that, it's over. But anyway, we're here for The Dark Knight Rises. So we got a cracking bat floating at us. And then there's Harvey Dent and... Jim Gordon talking. Where's Harvey Dent? Oh, he's right there. <laughs> so we look, we look, as I'm watching this, my first thought in the theater is, oh, cool. So it's going to take place right after we just left off the Dark Knight. And then your hopes fade <laughs> because, into a field. <laughs> <laughs> into a field and a car. And we realize, oh, wait, we're way into the future. Well, maybe we're not that far into the future. But then we're going to learn shortly. Spoilers. Which you shouldn't be watching this is if you're yeah, not seen the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Real problems there. Is that we're eight years into the future according to this timeline. Although we don't know that I don't believe at this point, but we don't have the audio no, plan. No, we don't we don't know that we're eight years in the future until we get back to uh, after the whole Bane sequence is done and suddenly we're in Gotham City again. But I, I guess before we get too negative on it. Did you? I, I saw this in IMAX. Did you you only saw it I, once. Yeah, I didn't see it in IMAX. And obviously, you know, the big deal was Christopher Nolan and his DP Wally Pfister shot a lot of this stuff with an actual IMAX camera, not in 3D. And they did all this stuff practical. 
I will say that when I made the drive to uh, to see this in IMAX, took a day off of work to make the drive, it was worth it. I mean, th- this was some pretty cool-looking stuff. Even if you didn't – it's just his own little mini-movie, but it was pretty pretty sweet on the big screen. Oh, this this action series here at the beginning, I mean, it really does a good job of grabbing your attention. Absolutely. But – what what does it lead to? Well, we don't know. <laughs> well, that's another that's another matter. That's another matter. But yeah, as far as the actual the mechanics of the action sequence and the scope of it, and just the cinematography on it, uh, just brilliant. Just a lot of fun to watch. And then there's Ben. Suddenly, the voice who comes out of nowhere to say hello. <laughs> what can you tell me about Gotham City? I don't know. What can you say about Gotham City? Do you know much about the comics? <laughs> did you have any uh, reference points for this movie on comic book-wise? I did not. Uh, like, Kind of like Superman, I really have most of my knowledge of the character from the films that exist. Um, I knew, obviously, going into the film that Bane was going to be a character in this. I tried to stay fairly spoiler-free about this movie, so... You know, my I guess my basic connection with Bane prior to this point had been uh, the wonderfulness that was Batman and Robin uh, back in 1997, where Bane just was this oversized, doped up guy in a wrestling outfit who could kind of talk like this <laughs> on occasion. And that's about all I knew really about Bane. I knew that he... Uh, played a larger role in the comic book world, but that was about it. Yeah, there are a lot of people say, well, I didn't really care for the Bane storyline. People who read the comic books would always say that. But I was never heavy-duty into the comic books, but what random ones I did read, I really, really liked. And it was very picky and choosy for me. And... What this movie start uh, uses as a starting point, what David Goyer used as a starting point when he started writing the script was the Nightfall series, which was the comics in the early 90s where Batman's back is broken by Bane and then somebody takes up the mantle and then he has to come back and, and take it back. And honestly, that I, I just read it in a novelized form and I actually read it several times in high school. And so I really thought going into this, that's what they were going to do because Batman Begins and Dark Knight, both of them have very clear lineages in their screenplays and their stories to certain comic runs. You have Batman Begins is all about taking the starting point of Frank Miller's Batman Year One and then spinning off their own story. And Dark Knight was all about starting at the Long Halloween, which was another popular series, and using a little bits of the killing joke and then spinning off in their own story. So this one, when they said, well, Bane is in it, and then they said Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in it, my first thought was, well, this is going to be the Nightfall series. Because in the Nightfall series, spoilers for Nightfall, it's only been out for 25 (laughs) years, is that Bane grew up in a prison, And he basically survived by making himself the strongest, biggest badass in this prison. I won't go into too many of the details of it, but eventually he has some henchmen and he wants to 
he heard about this Batman being the best there is fighter, whatever. So he wants to go and challenge him. And he's very, very, very smart. So he gets out of the prison, goes to Gotham. And here's the point where we learn that we're eight years in the future. But he, Bane goes to Gotham. And the way he takes down the Batman is the way that I thought they would use in this movie. That would have made it so much cooler. Is that he explodes a hole in the side of Arkham Asylum and all of Batman's rogues gallery breaks out. And systematically, Bane just watches from afar as Batman has to take down and cap recapture all of his rogues gallery one at a time to the point where Batman is completely exhausted. Then Bane steps in, kicks his ass, breaks his back and takes over. And there's a crazy nutball who works for Wayne enterprises that he hands the mantle of the Batman off to as he goes and heals himself for like a year. But that's really what I thought they were going to do with us. Not what they did. Sorry, I got sucked into the movie here while you were talking. <laughs> oh, it's all about Harvey Dent. Oh, it's all about Harvey Dent and Bruce Wayne hanging out in the shadows up on the roof because he's a hermit now. Yeah. Eight years. doesn't. There doesn't need to be eight years. Three, maybe. But... I, yeah, I think I think some time should have passed. I think you definitely would have lost something, especially the way that that ending for The Dark Knight was set up about him kind of making a, another sacrifice and becoming the scapegoat for some of the things that happened and the repercussions and everything like that. You needed to allow some time to have some of that uh, aftermath kind of play out and ground itself into this reality. But yeah, eight years – Seems excessive, and ultimately, I got to kind of scratch my head and say, why? Why eight years? Well, it's because they have to wait for Joseph Gordon-Lovett's <laughs> character to grow up so he can say, hey, I saw you as a, as a kid, because I got a Jersey accent. I'm Andrew Dice Clay, so I saw you as a kid. Oh, <laughs> you, you had a smile, and I said, oh, that's Batman. I'm an orphan. You're an orphan. You must be Batman. <laughs> And since he's on the screen right now, I'm I'm going to call out something that I personally am probably going to bring up several times during the course of the podcast. And that's the, as I've labeled it, Han Solo-lization of <laughs> Jim Gordon's character here um, in this third movie that I don't, I just don't understand why they had to make this guy just so dumb, <laughs> quite honestly. He just does stuff that doesn't really the logic of his decision making doesn't hold up he didn't need to be this dour in this um story and at least from what you've told me he's not this dour in the comic book uh version of the story as it exists so but they just stray so far from nightfall that you can't lay into it <laughs> now what do you think of Anne Hathaway as the catwoman here I like her performance. Um, definitely, you know, fun to watch. Uh, but again, I don't know if she's fully plugged in or utilized to or the full extent that they could have in this movie, in the ver version that we got anyways. She was just unnecessary almost <laughs> for what we got. 
Yeah, and her character seems to be kind of ragingly inconsistent. Yeah, how so? One minute she's, you know, regretful and, oh, I'm going to change things. The next minute she's doing exactly what she's always done and back and forth and back and forth. And Well, that's the Catwoman character, though. She's always skirted the line between good and bad. So I, th- I think her character works. Her performance works. I was never a big fan of Anal Hathaway, but... Uh, she she works for what she needs to to do, but I don't think that the character was needed for the story. In fact, we had a good thing last night when we talked about this in prep for doing this commentary that her character sh- could have just been eliminated or not or just changed slightly. And if they were insistent on having Joseph Gordon Levitt in this movie, make him a true Robin and have him riding the bike and helping fight the fight at the end. <laughs> Not just leading a bus to stall out on a bridge to blow up <laughs> and not accomplish anything. You gotta get all these people to safety. Well, he, he didn't. Yeah, no. <laughs> they went nowhere. Well, guess what? You get to be the new Batman. <laughs> <laughs> you got a, bit, a bridge blown up. You're Batman. <laughs> no, I know you're Batman because you're an orphan and I can see you smiling. Yeah. Okay, and my another question that I have here during these eight years, and we'll get into this more as kind of the events of the story unfold for us. But what the hell has this guy been doing? Archery. <laughs> uh, as we're going to see, he hasn't exactly been running the company. Uh, he's hobbling around on a cane. Um, so yeah, being the Batman would be punishing. He did it for. At least in this version, what, about a year and a half? Maybe, if that. Maybe. Come on. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, this guy's a billionaire. You'd think, hey, I'm in crippling pain. Maybe I should go to the doctor for this or something. But, yeah, hasn't been doing that. No. Hasn't been. Will to live. Yes. (laughs) Hasn't been doing any kind of training of any type. Not really engaged in city politics. Nobody's seen him in three years and everything. So, what has this guy been doing? Archery. <laughs> Archery practice. <laughs> and this is this is kind of a problem that I have with the whole film is kind of alternately at points I don't recognize the character of Bruce Wayne. I don't recognize the character of Batman at points in this movie. And I didn't really feel that way. I'm sure there were moments that you could nitpick in the uh, first two, but I just, it's more consistent in this film, at least to me. And now we come to the scene on the rooftop where John Blake is going to ask about that night eight years ago. It just, ah, it does not (laughs) need to be that long. It just doesn't. Okay, let's let's start doing our hindsighting here. here. Here's my theory on how they, even if you, you strayed far enough from Nightfall and just looked at what we got, fine. Make Joseph Gordon-Levitt find out he was Batman some different way. Make it a shorter period of time that exists. And make it so Batman didn't just quit being Batman the night Harvey Dent died. 
Because otherwise, it's not really Batman. I mean, we look at 1989 uh-uh. Batman, and it's, oh, it's a visual Annie who kills people who just happens to dress like a bat. And, and, well, this is almost the same thing. This is not Batman because he didn't stop any muggings. He did No, he just worked in the major crimes unit on organized crime. And if you're a mobster, you're going down. If you're a mugger, I don't have time for you right now. <laughs> no 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 come on they trust he trusts the system that's in place now with the whole dent law thing yeah but there still should have been something more about okay he went on for another year or two trying to be batman or do different things and then finally he started to break down couldn't do it anymore so he got sloppy and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character as a teenager saw him. And now this is two or three years later. So it's not something where you have Joseph Gordon-Levitt talking to some 13, 12-year-old kid who eight years ago would have had no inkling of Batman. And you think he's <laughs> coming back? No, maybe it should have been like two years ago. So it's still fresh enough for people to be like, oh. Yeah, kids' memories aren't that long. (laughs) I think he's coming back. Okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about what's going on on screen because when I was re-watching this, because I'd only seen it once in theater um, until the other day, and so this is only really my third viewing of this movie. Um, But a question popped up in my head, which was at the end of Batman Begins, you've got the mansion gets destroyed. In The Dark Knight, he's kind of holed up. Um, kind of under this industrial area, and he's living in downtown in an apartment and everything. When they say the, Wayne Manor is being rebuilt, yeah, Wayne Manor is now being is being rebuilt during all of that. It's back up here in this film. And why does the Bat Cave still exist? Why is this thing still like fully pimped out, ready to go? If he gave up being the Batman as soon as the events in the Dark Knight ended, you gotta only guess that. At, by the end of the Dark Knight, events of the Dark Knight, it, they were fairly close to finishing construction, maybe? I don't know. I, I guess. <laughs> but. I oh, so now there's a scene that's not going to come back at all that doesn't <laughs> foreshadow anything of, I'm going to go sit in a cafe and eat a, something that's the size of a tangerine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have this dream. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm eating a tangerine. Great. <laughs> At a cafe. In Burma. <laughs> <laughs> and you're Batman. <laughs> Hello, Batman. <laughs> Batman and Superman. Um, yeah, here comes our, our dead spot. <laughs> it's, it's just dragging. It's just all exposition dragging. And they could have saved themselves the exposition had they made it a shorter amount of time and not had to sit here. And, well, we got to waste 20 minutes having people say where everybody's been for the last eight years and why it's been eight years. Yeah, I think if you just jump in, you know, with some of these events already going on and everything like that, you get sucked into the story. You get a little bit more momentum and I mean, you can put Bruce Wayne through kind of similar motions and uh, having similar doubts and problems to work through and everything. But, yeah, this this long setup and having to do these 
There's a lot of them in here. These conversations that are just exposition dumps where two characters are just talking about things that, you know, in real life, these people would know. Um, a little bit later, you're going to have the Daggett character and Catwoman talking about the clean slate. And that just sounds like the most kind of inane conversation because all he's doing is defining for her what the clean slate is. For about five minutes when she knows exactly what it is, they wouldn't be sitting there having a conversation about it. Exactly. (laughs) And now we are teaching children about vigilantes who were around for about six months, eight years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, something that we didn't talk about while it was on screen. There was a before the Blake character went and talked to this kid. Uh, There was a brief shot of a body that was found outside of the sewers. We're kind of establishing that Bane is in the city and everything. Um, I don't know. Does Bane's presence in this early half of the film bother you? Does it work for you? Does kind of the mystery of what he's up to here that they're kind of planting, does it work or... I'm trying to, I'm really trying hard to put myself back to watching this the first time. Because honestly, this movie, you can be very bifurcated when you're watching this movie. Where you can, the first or one or two times that I saw it, especially in the IMAX, it was just the second time I saw it. You can really be carried along and just emotionally watch the movie and enjoy it. And it's almost a crystallized example of, the shut your brain off thing. Turn, shut your brain off at the door and enjoy a summer blockbuster, even though it's not supposed to be because it's a Nolan film. We were expecting more from that. But uh, you get caught up in the emotion of it. But you can also watch it with even the slightest IQ above 40 and start realizing, wow, this movie has a lot of just plot holes. They're just they're plot volcanoes that just keep erupting every ten minutes of wait, what? And and I really think the middle and latter half of the film it suffers more from those. The beginning of this at least, yeah, I can I can go with this. Yeah. But anyway, to answer your question, I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember where I was and it seems like the the bane introduction at the beginning. Mm-hmm didn't really mean anything because we had so much long exposition to go through with hobbling Bruce Wayne, conniving Selena Kyle, John Blake, the cop and his introductions and the orphanage. And we don't see Bane. I mean, we're watching this now. We're not going to see Bane for about another 10 minutes. So it, it just took a long time to, to get there. That's and, true. And you can't help but look back on this movie and do the whole reason why we're doing this commentary, this podcast, is because the whole overarching plot of Bane and what leads to, spoiler, Talia al Ghul (laughs) is one of the most ridiculous and useless (laughs) revenge plots ever created for cinema. It's dumb. And you'd never expect Nolan to be dumb. But this just turns out to be a dumb plot when you break it down. And it doesn't take very long to break down the plot once you've seen the movie once. And say, really? Talia al Ghul is, is 
dragging out this long, drawn-out occupation of Gotham and dragging Bruce Wayne across the world and back just to have this one moment of sticking a knife in him at the end. Which she could have done. Which she could have done any (laughs) time. And then she has Bane do this whole rigmarole. What? No, it... it, uh, since we're since we're getting into it, since we're going down into the sewers here at this point, we're going to be getting into Bane and his army and everything like that. Now, in the, I guess, first film, and Batman Begins, when we were exposed to the League of Shadows and uh, Bruce went through the training and all of that, we saw these basically ninja-type guys uh, who were kind of at Ra's al Ghul's beck and call. A little bit different setup as far as his army goes that Bane is raising and everything, but do we understand why these people are so devoted to Bane? That is an excellent question. It's always just taken under assumption that, well, it's a League of Shadows, so we're just going to assume that they're following him because he's the leader of the League of Shadows, so they're just henchmen for henchmen's sake. But it, yeah, it doesn't they they don't look or feel like the same guys that were in Batman Begins. If we got the feeling that they were those ninja-type guys or we saw anything else that said these were the same League of Shadows guys that we saw in Batman Begins, then we'd have a little bit better idea of why they're so slavishly just following every, his every word. Yeah, this fit just feels like the B-team running the show this time around. <sighs> yeah, this is definitely a step down. It's amazing because if you would have asked me at the end of July last year after I'd seen it one or two times, I would have thought, oh, I'd probably go Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Batman Begins in my pecking order. But now it's Dark Knight, Batman Begins, and the hindsight of Dark Knight Rises <laughs> has just, it's plummeted. It just is, it's been overgrown with problems in my brain. Uh, hopefully we'll hopefully we'll talk about some ways to rectify these things here. And then of course, there's Bane again. He's going to kick someone down a sewer. Well, welcome to my city. And of course, uh, we have to give all props to Kevin Smith for calling it out, but damn if he wasn't right. How big is a sewer system really? I mean, <laughs> this place is huge. <laughs> Is this really what a sewer is like? I mean, you could live comfortably down there. Soaring ceilings. <laughs> Multi-levels. Residences. <laughs> Where are these guys sleeping? <laughs> uh, you need to, You need some power? No problem. Yeah, why not? Well, why don't you follow him? Oh, right into the sewage. Yeah, close your mouth. Gordon, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we'll come up with another another little difficulty here all right several days i believe are supposed to have taken place since jim gordon was at wayne's manor and was going to give that speech basically confessing what harvey dent was by the end and what role he played in uh the events at the end of the dark night 
why is he still carrying this speech around in his pocket? Uh, it's like his last will and testament. He just has to have it on his person at all times. Just at any point, I may feel like giving a confession, and so I'd better keep this thing handy. If any case that somebody finds me, they can find my testament. <laughs> to put your hands in the filth! <laughs> There you go. Everybody can do a Bane. Everybody can do a Michael Caine. Everybody can do a Christian Bale. Who can do a good Gary Oldman? <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> Send them all down into the sewers. Send them all down. Oh, and just one of these scenes that... This is yeah. the most painful scene of the whole movie for me. I mean, even the very first time that you and I saw this, I, I started to cringe and pucker up at the same time because this just turned into wait how did you know he was batman <laughs> so again F- the acting the acting isn't bad it's got nothing to do with the actors or anything it's just yeah the way that this plays out it's just not satisfying i've known you i've known you a batman for the whole whole time of my life i can't really do it freaking jersey accent but still <laughs> i'm not even gonna try actually <laughs> it's just don't, don't wait for me to jump in and say <laughs> it's just it just uh, oh it just uh, oh it's not good doesn't work all right well how how could this have been how could this have been different then what if we had do we even need to keep this scene no does, does blake need to play this role there needs to if they were insistent and again if we're going off of what we have is the bare bones of uh, what we got, but changing it, then his character needs to have stumbled across something, almost like what Catwoman does later on when she stumbles across how Bruce Wayne is Batman or whatever. He needs to stumble across it, not sit here and say, well, just because I have the orphan Spidey sense, I can see your smile, <laughs> and oh, that's the only the smile of an orphan who could be Batman. That's the smile of a Batman. Exactly. <laughs> so he needs to, you know, like uh, Jason Todd, one of the Robins in the comic book series, Batman caught him stealing the tires off the Batmobile. Or uh, I can't remember how Dick Grayson found out. And then Tim Drake was another Robin that who was from a wealthy family that lived down the street, basically, was the next-door neighbor to Wayne Manor. And he was playing around and he you could see the little mini detective skills in this kid as he found one of the side entrances to the bat cave and found that out so you had to have him find you had to see in this movie joseph gordon levitt find out he was batman not just have him come in and sit down and say yeah you know 10 years ago i I saw you and i said oh hey you know what you're batman (laughs) <laughs> Shazam! <laughs> uh, well, that's a scene where, and again, um, like I said, I'm going to keep harping on this, but that's a scene where, to me, I would have loved to have seen Gordon come in and just lay it out. It's like, okay, you know, I I figured this out. I know who you are. I'm a smart guy. <laughs> um, and have, you know, have a discussion. He's a man who's already... His conscience is plagued. That's part of the reason he was, I guess, still carrying that speech around that he failed to give the other night and everything. Uh, He and Wayne share this connection. They've done 
you know, arguably some great things for Gotham. Uh, they're seeing now that maybe some of the choices they've made, either by action or lack of action, aren't playing out the way that they would like. I mean, these are two old warriors who have shared a path. Um, acknowledge that. Have it called out. I mean, it, it can be Gordon who clues Blake into the fact that Bruce Wayne is Batman. I'd be fine with that. Or they just need – or you could even play it similarly to the way they have it, but just have Gordon find out he's Batman just slightly earlier than mm-hmm. he does at the second-to-last shot of the movie. <laughs> Wait, everyone else has figured out who you are, but uh, I need a big clue, sir. But you really should have – played up better the idea that okay well you're gonna make john blake a detective okay he has detective skills so we're hinting that he could be the follow-up to the mantle of the world's greatest detective well then have him detect more than just i saw you smile (laughs) you got a fine set of white teeth and that says batman to me (laughs) he should have detected i mean he should have been detecting the sewer system of bane and when we find out that Bane's army is underneath Wayne Enterprise's armory, have Blake find out that way. Have Blake track down where the central hub is, where Bane's guys are, and then he realizes, looking at a map, that they're directly underneath Wayne Enterprise's. So then have him detect it. So all you could have a parallel story going while you have a story going of Bruce Wayne versus Bane, you're going to have a B story going of John Blake detecting where Bane's army is and figuring out that it's underneath Wayne Enterprises and going and even having him a scene with almost like an interrogation scene with Lucius Fox or something. Yeah, and I mean, we had in Batman Begins, we, we saw him doing detective work. We saw the character of Batman doing detective work, and that just seems to be absent in this movie, period. Yeah, and if you can have somebody, just random accountant in Dark Knight, find out he's Batman, then have John Blake be a B-story detecting and ultimately figuring out, okay, well, there's this massive army of guys that are in the sewers, and they're directly underneath Wayne Enterprises. Wait a minute. Oh, look at all these things that are down here. Those look like Batman tools. Wait, Batman was pretty wealthy. Wait, who's wealthy in this city and who's single and is injured suddenly? I think it's Bruce Wayne. Have him, <laughs> have him lead up to some form of a detective work instead of just, I saw your smile. And then, of course... And here we are with Miranda Tate. <laughs> which is... Step two in the problem world. Big time. Chris, I think Chris Nolan really, really thought, I'm going to do an M. Night Shyamalan twist on you here, and it failed from the first second he thought, I'm going to do it as a twist. And you had a good idea of just let the audience know who she is. Do the Hitchcock thing. Let the audience yeah. know about the ticking bomb more than the characters do. Yeah, see her, you know, be in on it. Watch her sucker this guy in. Tell us, right? Tell the audience. This is Talia Al Ghul. 
don't tell Bruce Wayne this is Talia al Ghul. Suddenly, we care about Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Guy's in real danger here. So that when he gets it on with Talia al Ghul later, we can be like, no! Definitely would add another level to things, yeah. Of course, then he's getting his own revenge. <laughs> oh, I just slept with the daughter of my greatest enemy. Oh, screw you. Oh, wait, I did. <laughs> she sticks a knife in him later on, and he's just like, oh, I already screwed you. It's all right, winner. <laughs> I already won this one. And then have Liam Neeson's ghost come back. <laughs> screw you, old man. I already screwed your daughter. <laughs> Uh-huh. All right. Uh yeah, the scene that we're getting here is, is a nice little callback to uh, the end of Batman Returns. Um but what they're kind of talking about and what we're setting up is this class warfare story um that is prevalent in this movie. Um and this was actually apparently written and I think shot uh before the whole Occupy Wall Street movement and all of that uh kind of took off. Um so the same time yeah, so kind of interesting crossover there between fiction and reality. Um, did this need to be in here? Was this well enough developed? Did this add depth to the characters? Was it kind of fully realized? I mean, I'm throwing a lot of questions out here, and obviously we got time to kick that all that around. But I th- it's It's a trouble spot because, yeah, The Dark Knight had a lot of war on terror, George Bush kind of things that were subtly hinted at and not so subtly hinted at. Mm. So you think, well, okay, well, what are we talking about now? It's the rich versus the poor, the class warfare, so let's put it in here. That idea is good in theory, but it's not very well executed in this movie, like a lot of things, but it's not very well executed in this movie because it doesn't really go anywhere there is no real uprising i think it it, it's almost like just a pandering thing well what what are we going to put in here our movie now that's going to talk about social commentary we did the war on terror last time so what can we do now Uh, class warfare for some reason and then you have the whole idiocy of bane take back your shitter (laughs) gotham is yours it's not. It's, it's dumb. <laughs> it's just sitting around for five months waiting for Bruce Wayne to show up so Talia al Ghul can stick a knife in him. And then that's, uh, yeah. another, another time lag problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh-huh. Right now, let's, let's center ourselves here with Lucius Fox. And this scene, for me, is one of the oddest scenes as far as character motivation in the whole movie. Mm. Because you have... Well, look, it's my old friend Bruce Wayne, and thank God he stopped being Batman, and we just want what's best for him, and we want him to go off and be happy because I'm with Alfred. But I might as well show you some toys so that you can go ahead, be Batman again, because I really want you to be Batman again. I think everybody except for Alfred in this movie wants him to be Batman again, let's face it. I mean, Blake was just in there, hey, wouldn't it be great if you're Batman again? And here's Lucius. Uh, There's Lucius. Hey, you know what? Um, Who wants yeah. the best for you, Bruce? Why don't you take this tour about all this new stuff I've been stockpiling? 
boy, somebody's going to have to use these things, and you <laughs> might as well use some things without autopilot. <laughs> well, let's talk about the autopilot. Uh, we can't go too far into the autopilot, because <laughs> the last episode we did, we did too much of the autopilot. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but hey, look, here's a ship that has no autopilot that might come back in later. <laughs> you might have to remember the whole autopilot thing. And of course, there's a scene later where Batman's fighting with Catwoman on the roof and does the whole Batman thing of no guns, except for the bat pod and my bat wing, where I'm gonna have big fifty caliber guns mounted on the roof. And don't we don't we have both Catwoman and Blake kill people with guns in this movie though? Uh huh. <laughs> okay. No guns, but except if I don't stop you in time. If, but if you need to blow a hole in a tunnel. Luckily, there's really large guns on the front of the bat pod <laughs> that can blow a hole open in someone's skull. But no guns. Uh-oh, and then the magic knee brace. Ah, uh, yes. Magic only because, hey, it works really well, and he's got a knee brace. Except for later when he's beaten by Bane and thrown into a pit. Did they leave the knee brace on to help him out? Apparently no one can ever get that off. It's just on for life. <laughs> <laughs> And I have a lot of problems with this movie, but I'd say one of my first gut reactions that were negative. Like I said, I had quite a few positives, actually, when I came out of the movie the first time. But one of my main problems right off the bat was, well, pun intended, there was hardly any Batman in this movie. There are long stretches in this movie where we're just missing characters in general, where they just disappear. I mean, if he was going to go back out there, as Alfred says, it should have been a hell of a lot more than, I'm going to lead cops on a police chase for no reason. And then I'm going to go fist fight with Bane. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> yes, in a very un Batman like fight. We'll get there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Uh I like this info dump from Alfred here though. Yeah. I happen to know uh, everything about Bane because I went on to Bane Wikipedia <laughs> and found out everything. I've heard I've heard stories. <laughs> Did you know that Bane once ate a tangerine? <laughs> Hell, Alfred knows more about Bane than the feds do when they show up later <laughs> after the city's been taken over. Bane? Who's Bane? Well, let me tell you who Bane is. <laughs> Bane knows more than the CIA guys on the plane didn't do at the beginning of the movie. It's, it's Bane impressive. was excommunicated from the League of Shadows. It just needed to be more Batman doing detective work. Batman trying to... That would have worked perfectly with the A-B lines going parallel, Batman detecting where Bane is, and Blake detecting where Bane is. Blake doing it as a cop and showing that maybe he's falling out of some of the – he's actually skirting some of the law. So he's actually showing that he's not really a good cop and that he breaks some cop rules to get jobs done. And then you can show Batman actually detecting to find where Bane is or whatever's going on. But no, you just have these what look like set pieces for set piece sake. Well, you talk about some bad detecting, man. This uh, whole stock exchange thing. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wow. Oh, what? The stock exchange got held up at the end of trading yesterday? Well, guess what, Mr. Wayne? All of those trades that you did are still going through. <laughs> and your electric's turned off. <laughs> what? What? He probably just paid his bill like three days ago. I'm sure he's good for at least another 90 days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would just assume that, yeah, anything where a stock exchange was, people were held hostage and it was invaded, any of the trades that happened during that time period would just be invalid. <laughs> uh, yeah, they have uh, many, many witnesses here who could vouch for it. Gee, I wonder what those guys were in here doing. What were they doing over at this terminal over here, huh? What came out of that terminal? Oh, Bruce Wayne stuff. Ah, eh, fuck him. Bruce Wayne, you're broke. <laughs> uh, and then I, I do like one of the nitpicks of the last year that mm. uh, there are plot holes in here, and then mm -hmm. there are logic holes. Here comes a logic hole. Where uh, when the cops oh, around well when the cops around the stock exchange mm -hmm. and how did the how does Bane and his army get away? So what do they do when they took over the stock exchange? They had a group of guys follow them in and plant motorcycles inside the stock exchange. I don't get that at all. Oh boy, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Where did all the motorcycles come from? <laughs> how they get motorcycles in the stock exchange? It only looks like there's one door. <laughs> I don't I don't get it. Well, here we have a nugget that I guess gets picked up as some detective work later with Blake with this dump truck yeah, or a concrete mixing truck, I should say. Yeah, but that's so chintzy pop. That's so lame. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the only way I can put it. I will say, so we're not all negative, is that Tom I like Hardy. Tom Hardy's performance right here. Yeah, he's having fun. Yeah, the, the Bane character is such a unique take on it that that's what I liked about it. I, I don't know if it worked logically or with the script, but his take was Heath Ledger-esque in that it was just nothing you ever expected. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not going to complain about Tom Hardy's performance at all. Um, at points, I know that they went through and they redid a lot of the um, voiceover for him after I guess a couple of test screenings the audience kind of said what is he saying? What? <laughs> uh, I think in some places though I think you've still got remnants of that original recording and yeah there's a few places in here where I, I do kind of have to pause and say wait, wait what? Which uh, it's alright. It's alright. As yeah. long as you can that's, understand that's minor, 85% of his nitpick. shit. Yeah that's a minor nitpick. Oh, the Matthew Modine character. <laughs> yeah, that uh, he was unnecessary. Well, it was just a one note. I, again, I know what they were trying to do, especially by the end and everything, with this character needing redemption and so on and so forth. But yeah, it, he's just so one-dimensional in this and just kind of shoehorned in in a movie that already feels like you're shoehorning in an awful lot of stuff. And there are three distinct police actions in this movie that make absolutely no sense <laughs> at all. <laughs> Gee, are we about to see one? Is yeah. that what you were leading up to? <laughs> Let's lead every cop in the city to capture Batman. What about the armed robbers? Um, screw them! I'm just but impressed that the cops are able to mobilize this quickly. My gosh. 
thinking my I mean, if, you've got a, if you've got a police department that is spread, you know, Gotham's supposed to be huge and they can get like 400 cars. <laughs> you'd think they'd be able to spare two of those 400 cars to chase the armed robbers. <laughs> yeah, that just totally goes by the wayside here. Horrible. Yeah. And I wouldn't the Matthew Modine character be like fired for incompetence for making a call like this? It's like, yeah, okay, vigilante, you want to get the guy, you've got standing orders, okay, but if you've got that many officers out and about, you could yeah. spare some. <laughs> go after go after some of these guys who just held up the stock exchange and took hostages. What about the armed robbers? Well, we need 800 cops to chase down the Batman. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, they don't even the cops don't even really seem to care about these hostages. And this is I mean, this was pretty exciting watching on IMAX and here's Batman just because oh, thank God it's finally Batman sort of. Yay! And the music He's kicks doing in. something. Yeah. And the Hans Zimmer music kicks in, but then you go right back to Wait, what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> And then there's the Catwoman. Good thing this TV's on. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not on some rerun of Seinfeld, it's, it's on, on the yeah. news. <laughs> it's on the all Gotham all the time channel. Yeah, and many people have talked about this, but again, doesn't make any sense. Weren't they just robbing that place and the sun was out and it was kind of going down and now it's middle of the night and it seems like it's five minutes later? Yeah, the time seems a little skewed here, I'll agree. No, leave that guy. We've got 400 cars, but we can skip them. Oh, look, not one of those cars is pulling in front of the fleeing motorcycles. <laughs> not one. Can one of you just stop and get them? I mean... Even Bane kind of stops here at one point and looks and is like, really? Nobody? <laughs> no one's coming after me. Oh, this could be easier than I thought. All right, this Daggett character. In uh, Batman Begins, we've got a board member of the Wayne Company trying to do kind of a hostile takeover. In The Dark Knight Rises, we have a guy trying to do a hostile takeover of the Wayne Company. Did that, again, do we... I, I know the function that he, he plays in the story as far as his business being critical to Bane's plans and everything, but... That just felt lazy somehow. And he's, again, kind of a non-factor as far as being a character, but... As are a lot of people in this movie. That's what I mean. Is I, I wonder how we're going to get through this whole commentary without... <laughs> because it, it just doesn't jive. And there's, like, this right here. Mm -hmm. My first inkling, first watching this is, well... This isn't a very Batman way to get away. Just blast a hole in something and just run. And he's not even like super speeding away to the point where these cops. Nobody's oh my God, even trying to track do him anything. Yeah. We they're can't all track just, him they're watching him get on the pod. It's like, is okay. this going in slow motion? Right. Hey. Yep. Now he's shooting stuff. Cool. All right. Yep. There he goes. Whoa, look at the ramp. Whoa. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> Let's get back in our cars and chase him again. Showed him. <laughs> the 
Scott Evil thing. Shoot that fucker in the face. I mean, he's right there. He's going, what, 10 miles an hour at the start? Do you Come guys on. want to catch anyone tonight? That should have been more of a Batman escape right there. That should have been, like... Well, he should have been hopping on that pod as soon as, like, we got that first shot of the cop cars closing in around him instead he just kind of stands there watches them come in take some time to see what that pad's doing i'll get back on the bike here or a little tire flip thing i know physically impossible but still (laughs) i still like that it's neat looking (laughs) and okay we can get to this scene but i was gonna say that a very cool escape if we're gonna do our hindsight stuff is to uh he could have dropped the smoke pellet in the middle of all that and had the bat, oh, I'm sorry, wait, he couldn't, no autopilot. It's going to say, have the bat fly over, do a grappling hookup, catch it, and that takes him away. Something cool. Whereas right here, yeah, he flies away in the bat, but do the cops not go down that alleyway and search for the bat pod that he just left in a dead-end alley? <laughs> i'm sure he had time to load it in the back come on (laughs) load it where (laughs) Uh, just go down the alley and look for fingerprints on the bat pod he just left behind Ooh, i'm an evil businessman this guy always reminds me of a grown-up version of some uh kid actor um and I can never, every time I watch it, I'm always, I always think briefly about who I was trying to think of, and then I forget it. Mm. He's like an annoying kid actor. Uh, I always, I always, eh, it's probably Benedict Cumberbatch or something. <laughs> <laughs> I can always, uh, I can never remember who he reminds me of, but I can see his face right now too as a kid in some cheesy '90s movie. Who knows? Well, they're kind of night and day, but did you like the Pfeiffer Catwoman or this Catwoman more? It's tough. Honestly, I'd probably say this one. I didn't really care for the Pfeiffer Catwoman just because I didn't really care for Batman Returns all told. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean the the way these characters are portrayed, the way the character is portrayed is just radically different, and the kind of role their function in the story is also different. So, and as the all the problems with the '90s Batman movies, they didn't follow the Batman character where or the stories. This is, I mean, this is the Catwoman. This is Selena Kyle. Mm-hmm. This is. In it for herself, she's bad. She's good. She helps out the bad guys in order to help out the good guys or go against the good guys. She's only in it for herself. That was That's the Selena Kyle character. I like how everybody who needs to be on this roof is on this roof. And the guys with the guns <laughs> are just waiting to get in there and fight instead of just punch them, punch, kick, shoot them now. <laughs> yeah, this is a horrible movie fight. Yeah, okay, let's is, give him long enough to stand there and talk about no guns. No oh, guns since you just killed that guy. <laughs> uh, we're shooting, but we're stormtrooper-like missing for some reason. They're yeah. right there. What do you got, like eight people on the roof shooting there? 
Yeah. And she even pauses <laughs> <laughs> for a fairly long time. Yeah, that that didn't work. That needed to be like in an alleyway or something, not on a roof. Uh, yeah. Or in a darker spot or I yeah. It's all it everything is just eliminated the second you've got guns <laughs> because and we'll see that later much later mm-hmm. these guys have guns these guys don't these guys aren't afraid to use their guns this should be over in five and a half seconds especially with that many of them <laughs> <laughs> or another thing uh kevin smith pointed out that i really like here mm. this is nothing but a long sequence of about five minutes of Batman running away. (laughs) (laughs) Here he is running away from the cops. Okay. Here he is running away from Bane and his gang. Okay. Here's Anne Hathaway running away from Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Does he actually do anything or just keep running away? I mean, come on. Good thing I came back. Yeah. Here comes the part where I talk to you in my voice, even though you're not there. I'm still going to talk in that voice because I guess I have to wearing the suit so it constricts my vocal cords do they do these characters or these actors seem to have much in the way of chemistry if we're building up some kind of you know complex romance here i think it's all right but they're not uh, they're not sharing enough screen time to to say you know maybe that's it this is actually the more i look at this now the more i think this really does suffer from the third movie problem of too many characters. Mm. I mean, originally last year when I started thinking about the problems of this movie, I wasn't thinking too much along the lines of it's got a Spider-Man three. There's too many characters. And so it's a mess kind of a problem. It, It just struck me as, well, there's different problems looking at it now. There's too many characters we're trying to keep track of. It's two and a half hours long, and yet it still feels like, well, you short-shrifted John Blake so that you could show Bane, but you short-shrifted Bane because you got to show Marion Cotillard running around, but then you got to short-shrift her because you got to show Selena Kyle, but then you got to show Bruce Wayne, <laughs> but then you have to show Gordon, and then you have to show Matthew Modine. There's too many characters. This film could have easily been trimmed down to no Matthew Modine character. I mean, if we just took what we got, mm-hmm. could we could we cut out Matthew Modine's character and still have a movie? Easily. Yeah. And like we were saying, at least largely, um, it doesn't even feel like Catwoman is essential to this story. I mean, she adds a nice element, but... It's like they put her in to satiate the the studio. Mm-hmm. Well, this is our last one, and we got a whole big rogues gallery. Who else can we put in that's not supernatural? Well, let's just find a way to put in Catwoman for some reason. <laughs> so the 90s movies suffered because they put in too many villains. This one <laughs> suffers because we're putting in too many heroes. They just put in too many people. Yeah. I mean, the Daggett character, unnecessary... You eliminate Matthew Modine and the Daggett character, and you instantly could maybe have a better movie. Mm. 
because you'd have more of the main characters interacting instead of these side note exposition vehicles. Uh, and then another thing that I don't like, Weepy Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a lot of Weepy Alfred for the few scenes that we get with him because he too is going to leave and go on vacation in this movie. See, this seems like this is where they took from the Nightfall storyline, saw that in the Nightfall storyline there is one sequence. Mm-hmm. It happens... I'd say a little past the three-quarter mark of the whole Nightfall storyline where Alfred has seen Bruce, has had his back broken, and he's just been in a wheelchair for like a year, and he's been trying to travel around the world to try and find a way to get himself back to being Batman. And Alfred's been with him every step of the way. And there's a certain point where after about a year of this, Alfred finally just says, Enough. Your back was broken. You can't do this anymore enough. And then when Bruce says, screw this, I'm going to go to this assassin woman who I think is the last shot. And there's this whole long backstory of the last time you saw this woman, you were not a back broken Batman and she almost killed you. And you think you, she's going to help her. Forget it, Master Wayne. I'm out of here. And then Alfred leaves because Bruce kind of pushed him over the edge. It almost seems like Goyer saw that bit, showed mm-hmm. Michael Caine, and said, here's what you need to do the whole movie. <laughs> the whole time you're on screen, you need to bitch that you're not Batman anymore. And it yeah, and this, makes his character whiny. And, and I don't know why I didn't notice this as much, I guess, the first time that I watched it in theaters, but... Yeah, this whole kind of is Bruce Wayne slash is Batman actually suicidal through this entire storyline kind of puts a bummer tone on this film for me. Yeah, that's where it's different from Nightfall because Nightfall, he's not suicidal. He's just so unbelievably driven to be Batman. This movie seems like he's so unbelievably driven to just eventually want to die somehow. <laughs> <laughs> he's not wanting to even be Batman. Oh, Rachel Dawes has been gone for eight years. How can I? Death by Batman. Yeah, that's how I'll do it. <laughs> what? See, and how much the audience would be in on it if this were a Hitchcock thing. And this scene with Miranda and Lucius and showing the bomb. If, if nothing else were changed except that we were aware she was Talia now would make this scene infinitely better than, no, I am Miranda Tate for some reason. Uh, yeah, this this whole energy <laughs> bomb thing, it's, it's just kind of the pits. Cut this whole thing out and just say, no, Bane's a terrorist group, leads a terrorist group, and they got a bomb. That's what the opening could have been. Instead of Dr. Pavel, the opening could be getting a bomb. <laughs> They're stealing a nuclear bomb off of a plane or something. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's been done before in film. It's fine. So instead of um, stealing Dr. Pavel, the opening is Bane steals a nuclear bomb. Yeah, when we were talking about this last night, I... 
and I still can't believe I'm doing this. I'm actually going to praise something from Batman Forever. <laughs> when the uh, Edward Nigma character approaches Bruce Wayne about making his goofy little device and everything, you know, Bruce Wayne says, well, you know, it's got interesting potential, but there hasn't been enough kind of health and safety studies on this thing. And so for the time being, I'm not going to fund this thing. This energy project and everything like that, part of the reason this thing hasn't been turned on is apparently they went ahead and built this thing. And then it was, oh, yeah, and it could turn into a bomb. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We better not turn it on then. It, it just doesn't seem you think they could have figured, that out. They figured yeah. that out in the blueprint stage. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's like what? This company is all about looking over its assets and this, that, and the other thing. It's like they, everybody on this board just went, "Oh yeah, cool. You can you can just fund that big energy project that might bankrupt the company. That's cool. That's cool." I think now is about the time in the movie where we can start saying, "This is where it starts spinning out of control." And yeah, this is can... where <laughs> this is where some of the logic holes really start getting big. <laughs> now you're in the board meeting and. Suddenly, Bruce Wayne's out, and all of this stuff has apparently happened in a matter of a day or two or something. And see, right there, even the shot of Miranda Tate nodding at Bruce. Instead of, oh, that's Miranda Tate nodding at Bruce, she's taking care of it. It could have been, the audience knows she she's evil. So she's yeah. nodding at Bruce. I have and the it company now. And the other thing that didn't make any sense to me when in the previous scene they're down there and they're talking about that fusion reactor and everything, when he's – and Lucius reveal the fact that that chamber can be flooded to prevent anybody from doing anything with it and she seems to be opposed to even the notion of destroying this thing. It's like, why would you hand over the keys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the most dangerous thing in the city and you don't want to get rid of it. Oh, here you go. What? Not a whole lot of sense. Mm. And how do you know a character is dead meat when someone big and powerful is standing in front of them and they're yelling at them, <laughs> talking down to them? <laughs> <laughs> you always know they're dead meat. But you are my little bitch now, aren't you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> you should raise your voice at me. Yes. Your money was helpful, but now no longer needed. Yeah, if they could have pulled that stock exchange heist thing, why didn't they just clean this guy out initially? Why'd they even have to bring him on board? This is, yeah, it just starts falling apart, like, majorly right here. And this scene would have worked had we had a more reasonable understanding of why John Blake finds out he's Batman. And and Bruce Wayne seems to be really big into the whole true confessions thing at this point. Yeah, or it could even, this could even be another sequence where they're together and... He's just starting to figure out that maybe Bruce Wayne's Batman, so I'm going to give this guy a ride, or he, he saw him earlier or something. 
it could be something that's revealed, you know, in this conversation or whatever. You, you can just be speculating about, well, why why the Batman come back now, or why why do you think he disappeared in the first place? I mean, it would have been, you know, kind of a timely event, local event, and everything like that. So it would have been a perfectly plausible, perfectly natural conversation at that point. Yep. just doesn't seem like as I'm watching this without really, really watching it is that there's no real cohesion to these scenes. They're just, here's a scene, now here's a scene, now here's a scene. And they're sort of tied together, but not really. Just, oh, okay, now we're going to have a scene here where they're talking. Now we're going to have a scene here where they're talking. And we need to have a scene here where these guys are talking. Okay, but does it really do anything for us? Why didn't he come to her dressed up like Batman? Because it was the middle of the day? I don't know. <laughs> well, he's gone out during the day as Batman before. I mean... Oh, yeah. Pull that one off. It just seems kind of strange. Hey, uh, my buddy Batman could use your help. Uh, Want to help out Batman? <laughs> Batman? Well, he's only been around for like <laughs> 10 minutes in the last eight years. What would I help him do what? <laughs> he just rolled around and led some cop cars around and then left. Then he helped you fight two guys and then we left and he ran. Yeah, it would seem more plausible if he came to her in the guise of Batman and said that Bruce Wayne had clued him in as to who she is. <laughs> And see, the audience should be sitting here right now saying, Get away from her! Get away! She's evil! Do you usually hang around outside the mansion in the rain? (laughs) Character we barely know. She should be there trying to set fire to Wayne Manor again. Just like my father. I said, fire to you, a she's, she's got like a, she's kicking a can of gas. <laughs> she kicks it out of the way when he shows up. <laughs> she's got a lit match. <laughs> well, this is never going to work with this rain. And then he shows up. Crap. <laughs> Right here, when they're screwing in front of a fireplace, she doesn't kill him. <laughs> nope. Yeah, and I mean, we we could have gotten that she's like playing this guy and messing with his head, and da da da. Well, that's almost if you really gave it to him and said, "Okay, if she knows he's going to go after Bane." Mm-hmm. And it's almost like she's she's taking away his chi right now. He, she's taking his focus away. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's the only way to put, even possibly explain this. Because um, in the comics, these two characters have much more of a storyline, correct? This is greatly, greatly... Uh, well, that's a horrible way to put it. Take that. Uh, I mean, it's just a bigger relationship. I mean, it's probably the biggest Batman relationship he's ever had outside of the occasional times he's with Catwoman. But 
I mean, when he's around Talia Ghoul, I mean, they have a kid together who right now in the comic books is the Robin. Damian mm-hmm. Wayne is Robin. And that's the son of Talia Ghoul and Bruce Wayne. And she's always calling him beloved. And she always went against her father, but still wanted to lead the League of Shadows and do a certain amount. She didn't like her father, but she still wanted to... That's the one thing they got right in the movie. She wanted to do the work of the League of Shadows, but didn't want to do it in the way her father did. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, that just gets spoiled at the end of this movie. To It's all about my father for some reason. <laughs> Who I didn't really have a connection with and kind of hated until you killed him. Didn't really see him for years. <laughs> <laughs> I found his mangled mess in a train. <laughs> but now it's all I can think about. For some reason. <laughs> and I'm going to plan like five, eight years of revenge for some reason. And then there's this, where Catwoman leads Bane down, or Batman down into the sewers. Yeah, and this is getting into one of those areas where I was talking about where her character just, I'm kind of going, wait, What? Yeah, this is almost pointless. This only really serves to be a, well, it looks cool with Batman and Catwoman walking, gives Hans Zimmer some music chances, and it's the only way we're going to figure out how to have Catwoman figure out he's Batman. Now, this should be a trap set by Bane. Batman did some detective work to figure out where Bane was, went down there, fought some of his goons, Bane stood in the shadows watching Batman exhaust himself by fighting all his goons, figured out his, did a little scouting of the Batman as a fighter, and then beat the shit out of him. (laughs) Not, oh, we just locked you in a cage so we could fist fight. Go! Okay, right here, Batman, you've got a belt full of gadgets. You've, You've been trained not to get suckered into this kind of a fight and yet i'm just gonna go and start punching (laughs) and even though it's not working at all i'm just gonna keep doing it yeah if it wasn't the character of batman this is actually a decent fight scene but it's not the character of batman that's Mm -mm. that's the problem it's cool because there's no music bane's just beating the fuck out of him He's supposed to be Batman. <laughs> Do something more Batman-like, you know. <laughs> Again, that, that's how I'd hindsight this scene, is that I would make it more like Nightfall if you wanted to say, well, we're not copying Nightfall where we're doing two months of Bane watching Batman capture his rogues gallery. No. Do Bane in the shadows watching Batman systematically trying to fight all of his goons that Bane has set up there. If they're these loyal guys that will do anything, he's yeah, set I was about up to like make a chum. comment about that. He's just chumming the waters to watch Batman, you know, just exhaust himself going through all of Bane's henchmen until Bane says, okay, you're now <laughs> worn out enough. I will not break you. Time for the big finish. Yeah. 
He's uh, just make it like a freaking video game. He's the big boss at the end <laughs> yeah, of the, the video game. This this whole fight sequence, they keep having these cut shots to looking at the henchman looking sad and troubled and looking at Catwoman looking sad and troubled. It's like this is what all of you people have been working towards, apparently. <laughs> Why do you look upset now that it's happening? They don't look upset, they're just not doing anything and no, they to me they look upset. They look like genuinely kind of like disturbed. They're not like leering. They're not like don't seem to be really enjoying this fight. They don't seem to be kind of egging anything on. I mean, it's just like oh, I can barely stand to watch this happen. Oh, darkness is your ally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was you probably- merely adopted the dog. This was probably my only moment that I really enjoyed in the theater of this fight sequence was this little bit here where I thought well, if it was in a sequence where Batman was actually fairly equal, this would have been even cooler. Mm-hmm. But just having Batman get the piss beat out of him after he just walked down a sewer system doesn't work. Yeah, at this point, wouldn't he have major brain damage? <laughs> I mean, Bane was, like, bouncing his head off of solid metal. Your precious armor. We won't need it. It's a good thing no one was killed. <laughs> <laughs> like us, when the entire ceiling came down. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would have definitely hindsighted that one. I would have had a lot more of his followers up there, like, watching this happen, too. I mean, make it a moment if this guy is supposed to be a leader. He would want his followers to see this. Yeah. Take that, Batman. You dick. <laughs> and it's too bad they couldn't stage this where he, like, throws the remnants of the mask, like, at Catwoman's feet and kind of pins the crime, the guilt on her or something like that, if you really want to play that up. See, or maybe right here is where John Blake figures out he's Batman, but it's too late. <laughs> Hey, you ever notice when Bruce Wayne disappears, Batman disappears? <laughs> Anyone ever notice that? Yeah, see all these scenes here where, you know, she can go from acting real innocent to being more action-based and in your face and that kind of stuff. I'm fine with that, but yeah, it's like stuff like what happened down there in the sewers where I'm kind of going, um, wait a minute. What you've been working for this. There's just, there's no weight to any of these things. Really? There's the, there's not the weight that they think they have going on. Like this should be, a scene where Batman has just, we've just watched Batman truly try his best and get eliminated, not just show up and get the crap kicked out of him. 
There should be a moment of Robin talking to Catwoman, which with some gravitas, not. So I, f- I found you, and yeah, bully, you're going to jail, <laughs> bully, you're going to jail. <laughs> Now, why exactly is she fleeing now? She's been wanting this class war thing. She's been wanting this clean slate stuff. She's on the cusp of getting everything that she wants. She just helped out Bane's group. Why all of a sudden is she like, oh, my God, I got to get away. And as we're seeing now, Bane isn't even in the city. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, he's flown across halfway across the world. Meanwhile, halfway across the world. In his Concord jet, he flies (laughs) Bruce Wayne to a pit. Then he flies back. Quickly. Even though there's no escape, we've managed to get cable down here for you, Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) We got you the dish network here. (laughs) Which isn't easy. (laughs) It's a pit. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's satellite here. You will need it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good thing nobody's riding and trying to escape. (laughs) At this exact moment. Moment. <laughs> yeah, what is the hierarchy of this pit life? Who, who's putting all these people down here? Just you come across somebody you don't like, you can just lower them into the pit. And would you really need locks on the doors? Really. This movie just seems too ambitious for what could be done in one movie. There are positives here enough that you could say, if you take a little bit of that, or just a little bit of that, or just a little bit of that, and focus wholeheartedly on it, you got something great. But they split themselves so thin with, here's Selena Kyle, here's Bane, here's Matthew Modine, here's John Blake. Bruce. Here's Bruce and would, Alfred. Here's Bruce and yeah. Selena. I would have been fine with them starting with Bruce Wayne in the pit. And then a you would, mi- put a little mystery into that. You would have done the classic Nolan out of sequence thing. Yeah, for a little bit. I wouldn't have done the whole movie that way, but for a little bit. Would have been okay. This almost seems like Selena Kyle should have been in prison. Well, as I start talking, I realize I'm not going nowhere with it because this just doesn't lead anywhere. Mm. It just leads to Selena Kyle's in prison. Now she's going to be let out of prison with everybody else. Speaking of people in prison, um, good that there was no reference at all to the Joker or any of the events from The Dark Knight other than Harvey Dent. Or bad? No, they really needed to have done more to reference The Dark Knight. It's really silly. It seems like they said, well, we have Batman Begins and we have The Dark Knight. We have those two movies that we can reference. Let's reference everything we can from Batman Begins because people didn't really like The Dark Knight. (laughs) (laughs) It just seems like they picked the wrong child to send to 
military school and the wrong child to send to Harvard. Mm. And, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because, I mean, I understand it from the semantic standpoint. It's almost like making Superman Returns right after Christopher Reeve had his accident and then died. It's almost like no one wants to say, you really shouldn't do that with Superman Returns because it's crap. No one wanted to say that because, well, we're honoring Christopher Reeve. It's all honoring Christopher Reeve. It's similar. It's like, well, Heath Ledger died and he won an Oscar. So we can't really do or say anything that's going to bring that back up for people. So it's almost like the real world got in the way of what could have been a better storytelling motif. Mm-hmm. And again, we weren't necessarily, we're not clamoring that somebody else needed to put on the Joker makeup and, you know, appear in the movie. But I mean, even some mention of the events would have been good. A reference point. Yeah. Hey, remember that guy eight years ago who was trying to blow up the city? No, I don't remember <laughs> that at all. <laughs> Oh, right. He gripped the city in, in terror for weeks. Oh, who? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I remember Harvey Dent, though. Oh, okay, good. But all the kids remember Batman. <laughs> for some reason. We for don't some know reason. Why. <laughs> uh, and then this guy who, for some reason, is getting paid, even though he has nowhere to spend the money he's getting for taking care of Bruce Wayne. Maybe it could have been seen when Bane breaks everyone out of Blackgate prison here shortly that there could have been a moment where you see one of the henchmen it's like let everybody out and then there's a last door what about that last door no leave that one closed and that can be the joke or some throwaway reference (laughs) and here's where we're going to send every cop we have down there What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, just send a SWAT team. It'll be done. <laughs> and this is something that I thought of a little bit later in the movie when the feds do finally send some team in to deal with this. It's like, all right, if you've got this well-known international terrorist who you know is hiding out under the city, where is the state and federal government agencies that would try to deal with an international terrorist who they've got a basic location on. Ah, the, the cops can handle it. That's fine. A good thing there's no way to shut off this nuclear bomb. <laughs> All right. We have it sitting right here where I can punch in a code and it will be flooded. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, though. Because I want to wait for five months and see what happens. (laughs) Let's wait and see where this one goes. (laughs) Uh, Yes, the five months, the five months. Obviously, mostly there to add some credibility to Batman having time to heal so that he can heroically come back. But... uh, So we're back to Bane and Dr. Powell. And every cop. (laughs) (laughs) What? On duty, off duty. (laughs) (laughs) Except for Blake. Keep him up up top. And of course we learn it's not every cop, but still. That just... 
you could have sent uh, like SEAL Team Six down there. And been fine. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Didn't we just make some kind of horrible error a little while ago when we sent every cop available after Batman and we let Bane get away? <laughs> you know, him and all of his guys. Wasn't that kind of an error? Oh, let's send every cop now after Bane. Wait, let's, let's Batman's do it again. out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it. Now send every cop after Batman. <laughs> Doesn't have to be an all or nothing kind of model, guys. You, that's why you got a lot of officers. Hey, and our minor detective moment here. movie was very ambitious, but it was too ambitious, I think. Oh, we can we can pull together 18 storylines that are all going concurrently. I think the next Batman movie that they reboot needs to be very personal. Very Batman Begins-like in that... You just have one villain, and it's a very personal story. Did this ever have the chance to become a personal story? Is there any way that you could think of of spinning this, again, using the existing structure to make it a little bit more personal? Eliminate Catwoman, eliminate John Blake, eliminate Matthew Modine, and suddenly you have Bruce versus Bane and Talia. You can do that. Or keep John Blake in there, but make him more Robin. <clears throat> or, again, you go back to the Nightfall story. The Nightfall story was you have him fighting the rogues gallery, or you have him, you know, gathering all these people who were let out of Blackgate prison, and he feels responsible because they were put in there because of him. And then Bane beats the crap out of him and takes over the city that way, or but that's where we start falling apart because how does he take over the city? <laughs> I'm just going to sit here for a couple months with a, a bomb, I guess. Oh, Heinz Field. Yeah, this was... This was something that threw me completely out of the movie the second I saw it on screen. thought, really, Christopher Nolan, you could not have paid a couple of digital artists to eliminate the ads and the name Heinz Field? Just immediately taken out of the scene the second I saw that. Well, to be fair, that might be one of those things where they got some extra money thrown at the production for leaving it in or something. Possibly, but man... You're trying to convince me this is Gotham City, somewhere never existed, and then you instantly say, oh, but here's a shot of Pittsburgh where it says, welcome to Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll even throw some Pittsburgh players in on the sideline for good, yeah. for good measure here just uh, to emphasize it more. Yeah, he did no manipulation to this to say this wasn't Gotham City. He basically just said, well, we're just going to shoot it in Pittsburgh, and here it is. Welcome to Pittsburgh. We're not going back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> Shouldn't we at least be in Chicago? Yeah, Soldier Field would have worked out better. At least it didn't have ads everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
And it looks kind of weirdly futuristic from the outside. Could fit into Gotham. Oh, now my plan is at hand. Look at these little random explosions of some sort. Uh, this, this, upon rewatching, I find somewhat confusing. Is there ever any reference to the fact that they've been doing any kind of rehab work on this field? I mean, it's fine if you've been going around, you know, doing street repairs and this and that and the other, and that's causing explosions. But when did they have time to put a bunch of explosives underneath the entire football field? (laughs) And just the field, not the stands. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently they put it in all the drainage pipes. I guess. They took the fear toxins from Batman Begins, (laughs) mixed it with explosives, and put it through all the water pipes. That's what the setup was in the first movie. Yeah, but I mean, I'm looking at this, and again, it's like, okay, well, interesting effects sequence, sure. Um, Definitely would grab people's attention and, you know, the reality of the film and everything, but where the hell did they do that? Control! (laughs) And yeah, right over his shoulder. Let's go ahead and leave all the ads there. (laughs) Oh, I can't tell you how Badly, that threw me out of the movie watching this. Uh, don't you want to go get some Doritos? <laughs> <laughs> University of Pittsburgh. What? No. <laughs> this is horrible. Digitally wipe that shit out. Put up, like, digitally put in, what, come visit Metropolis or something. Anything. Put a Superman shield up there. And again, watching this the first time or the second time with a big crowd, you're mm-hmm. you're kind of in this sequence sure, you're going emotionally. Yeah. Because it's an action sequence and you kind of like the people and the music's good. But the second you put some logic to this, you just start thinking, well, but the actions they're taking have no basis in thought. <laughs> they're just kind of doing an action sequence based on things that just happened that don't make any sense. I'm going to very slowly. Take control, Pittsburgh. Take control. (laughs) Your penguins are coming back. (laughs) Your pirates are doing good. Your sports are coming back to your city. (laughs) And all the Steelers. (laughs) So, again, was like, this some major game or something? Because they didn't really play that up when the mayor was walking in. He just was like, oh, I'm going to a game. And yet everybody around the country seems to have been tuned into this game. Well, I mean, that you can grant them because it's NFL and you imagine that some time has been passing a little bit for the FBI to be awarded that a major NFL Sunday game is now under terrorist control. I think the FBI yeah, will turn on the TV. Fair enough. Giant Eagle, Under Armour, <laughs> Pittsburgh. <laughs> no, they stuck a Gotham Rogue sign underneath. Yeah, they did. Temporary Come on. banner. 
And apparently the Gotham Rogues do not draw very well as those seats are empty in the upper deck. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. With you. <laughs> That's why we have to take control. I'm going to give you control. Now go back to your homes and wait. <laughs> <laughs> what? What are we in hey, control hey. of again? Yeah, you're kind of all over the place. <laughs> do you want them out in the streets or do you want them in their houses? Wow, this movie really does just start disintegrating <laughs> real quick. He not only blew up the bridges, he blew up the logic. No, I, I am. I'm like, con- if I was in this movie, I'd constantly be scratching my head going, what does this guy want? <laughs> doesn't know either. Yeah, he's telling me to do two different things at the same time. Gotham's is yours, even though I've got a bunch of guys with guns pointing at you in the stands. Take back your city before I blow up your city with a bomb, which I'm going to do anyways, because there's no escape from this. (laughs) So take back your city or I'm going to bomb it or something. (laughs) Or something. Wait, what? Even though, even though I guess technically I've already been bombing it. <laughs> 12 million people, someone has to have half an IQ to sit there and think, he's got a bomb. If we don't take back our city, he's going to blow it up. If we do take back our city, then what? He just quits with the bomb and takes over our city? You don't think one guy is going to try to get off this island with a boat or somebody's going to him or so I mean, they got a kayak. Have, that's a that's a long shoreline I'm looking at there. They don't exactly have guys lined up there watching every bit of the shoreline. You'd think somewhere in Midtown Gotham there is a scuba store with enough equipment for a gang <laughs> to put scuba gear and still over five months be scuba swimming, snorkeling their way across the rivers. Fairly simple. Yeah. Everyone just go down to 7th Street to the Scubas R Us and... Oh, no, we mixed all that concrete in all the scuba stores. And... <laughs> Watch out for scuba, Steve. <laughs> and suddenly, Bane is very easily Adam Sandler. Yes. Oh, hello! <laughs> You're going to take back your city or I'm going to punch you in the face. So now they're driving in a car. They're driving. They're driving as colleagues. <laughs> and little orphan Annie and his bat symbol signal uh, discovery detective is now going to cause Jim Gordon to seem like the biggest idiot in town. <laughs> <laughs> When everyone and knows Bruce Wayne. That's an unfortunate trend that will just continue through the rest of the film. Now, this is the other part of the movie that has a little bit of the Nightfall storyline in it. Okay. Where they're storming... We're storming Blackgate Prison! Which, actually, Blackgate Prison is in the comic books. I mean, it's Arkham Asylum and Blackgate Prison. But, again, they... they they are completely shifting this to the Nolan universe where I really wish they would have stuck with the idea from Nightfall where Bane stormed Arkham Asylum, broke everybody out, and then, you know, the bat wore himself down, chasing down all those 
villains one by one. So instead, Bane just releases everybody to create an Occupy Wall Street movement for some reason. Well, you got to wonder if uh, Heath Ledger was still with us, if they wouldn't have gone closer to the source material, too. Yeah, I could definitely see how the third movie would have been completely different, all hinging on that one guy. And maybe he would not have been in a, a huge character, but I think he would have had an extended cameo, at least. Likely, yeah. Or most likely, he just would have been the courtroom judge that Scarecrow Jonathan Crane turns into. Well, we'll never know. But we do know that Bane is out here telling the people of Gotham they're free. Two hundred million dollar movie, and you've got a guy in a mask. Can't see him talking, reading a speech off of a letter, and yet you you go with it. It works. Oh, and Blake's gonna give it to Gordon. Blake calling out plot holes. <laughs> Jeez, Commissioner, you kind of just rolled with that with the end of the last movie, didn't you? You screwed everybody. <laughs> you just kind of, yeah, well, just blame him. Why? Why not? Okay. Didn't have a day to think of. Oh, wait, this is Gordon we're thinking about. He acts very impulsively in these movies, sending every cop down underneath the surface. Well, <laughs> he just decided, you know what? Batman will take a blame. Harvey Dent's great. Go. Couldn't have slept on it. And out come the criminals. And the chuds took over. <laughs> this would have just been so great in a different movie where Nightfall was more at the center. Just blew open the prison. I mean, how much better would this have been if this had been Bane's first arrival to Gotham? Doesn't, well, sta doesn't stand up there giving a speech. He just gets a hold of Batman's tumblers and goes and blows open the holes of Blackgate Prison. And then suddenly shows up on TV. I have an army now! It would have been attention-grabbing. I mean, yeah. you know, we talked about how we did have an attention-grabbing opening in the film that exists, but no, I I agree that would have gotten the ball rolling much faster. We had a Bond villain introduction scene in the opening of this movie. We didn't have a <laughs> That's Batman. a good way of looking at it. Yeah, I never thought about that before, but yeah. <laughs> we had a Bond cold open, and the only thing missing was Batman hang gliding down on skis to, to grab Bane or something. And this is something else that we're getting into here with some of the editing in this part of the film by necessity because of this long, drawn-out period of time that we're covering, but... It it also makes this film kind of stand out in a different way from the previous two as far as the pacing and the story choices go uh, because you're, you know, jumping from location to location, from time period to time period, that kind of stuff. I know we had a little bit of that with the origin story there in Batman Begins, but uh, part of the reason that The Dark Knight was a little bit tighter was you didn't have that going on. And the Dark Knight all took place in one period of time. True. This, the way they have 
locked themselves into a corner of having many months pass in one movie. They have to just treat the middle important part of taking over Gotham as a montage. We're going to need a montage. Even Rocky had one. (laughs) I am the worst doctor in the world. I will fix your back now. I'll just punch you square in the back like I'm in a (laughs) high school boy's locker room. This will heal you. Dodge! To distract you, I will give you more exposition. (laughs) (laughs) More exposition? I don't know if I can take much more exposition. (laughs) Now I'm angry. Why? Because I've been told everything and I have to do something. know if we really gain anything by them i i guess they're trying to make it interesting by not showing whose face this is and everything but i don't know if we really gain anything by not seeing that that's raz al ghul's backstory i guess it's supposed to set up our big reveal at the end it just seems like they needed to do a lot more trimming than they did. Like another two drafts of the screenplay probably would have served this movie so much better. And they ultimately would have ended up either cutting out Talia or just something could have been cut. Blake could have been cut. I was going to say, well, we talked about some of the little side characters who could have been cut or condensed or whatever, but yeah, out of the major people, I don't remember if we've already gotten into that or not, but yeah, Talia, I don't think really adds much to at least this iteration of the story. Punch you in the back! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so you don't like going to doctors, huh? (laughs) Well. (laughs) (laughs) Hallucinating badly. You know what I need right now? I need to have a cameo. What? We gotta throw another character into this film? What? <laughs> Why? <laughs> right here, Christian Bale should have looked up and slowly gone, Qui Gon! Now we tackled that. <laughs> tackled that one already. We, we already hindsighted that. Bruce, I'm I'm back here for you. Oh, good for you! <laughs> I'm trying to heal here, and you're standing there. It's fucking distracting. Do we need your daughter in this film? <laughs> oh my god, I totally did your daughter. <laughs> yes, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Go away, stupid ghost. <laughs> You suck. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, see, it gave him the motivation to stand up again, to leave the rope behind. Well, it looks like they've gotten more junk down there since uh, that flashback to the good old days with Bane and Talia in the pit. Maybe they do have the ability to spend money down there. Meanwhile, on the in wintry Gotham, on the empty streets of Gotham, where is everybody? Because Gotham is theirs. I wonder how long it would take to do that to cars. And yeah, no, no one thought maybe we shouldn't let these terrorists drive for f- four weeks with a crane lifting cars just to block a tunnel. Somebody could have gotten out. Yeah, you'd think you'd think that they wouldn't think ahead to like drain all of the uh, oil and gasoline out of those cars. So some people just showing up with some Molotov cocktails, throwing it in that big pile of stacked up cars would probably blow up. I mean, come on, to be fair, we're watching a big blockbuster Hollywood summer movie. Stuff's going to blow up. It's like that back issue isn't even exist. I just do a lot of planks. <laughs> his day is measured by his workout routine. You must have this many tattoos in order to tie on the rope. We can solve a cracked back in five months. Well, as we will see, this is not the only amazing physical feat this man will pull off in this movie. I love the E.M. Escher uh, look of the stairs in this place, too. Um, all right. Well, guys, what we're going to do today is go out and dig a great big pit. (laughs) But I want a stylish looking pit and I want to have the possibility of hope of people getting out. So, uh, you know, we're going to get some stairs together in this place, some random rocks (laughs) projecting outward, just in case, just in case somebody wants to give it a shot. This is an engineering marvel. (laughs) It really is. Thing doesn't fill up with water and everyone drowns. See, that's the that's a, another cool part from the comic book version of Bane is the Santa Prisca prisoner, whatever it was called, in the Caribbean that he grew up in. That he because he served the prison sentence for his deadbeat father or whatever. He was in like a solitary hole, and he learned all sorts of stuff and. He said, like, every monsoon season or whatever, his hole would fill up with water, and he'd learn how to hold his breath for a really, really long time. So he just, all these different things came together to form this really dynamic, cool character, Bane, and nope, there's none of that. 
<laughs> Truly shaped by his environment. I didn't see the light until I was nearly a man. <laughs> Even though it's fairly light in this pit, but right now. <laughs> I can see the sunlight up there, but I didn't see the light. I, I was in a corner of the pit, facing a wall. In fact, arguably, you're getting more light than these cops trapped <laughs> <laughs> underground. <laughs> well, being very well fed, sha- clean shaven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, we got to get the basics to these men. Shaving equipment. Food and water. Blankets. Yeah, like we said a little while ago, this movie has already begun the descent into falling apart and collapsing in on its own, the weight of its own illogic. Hey, but our SEAL Team 6 is here. Sure. Uh, Just all of this is predicated on a vengeful woman. That's all this is predicated is on a vengeful woman with the worst revenge plan in the history of revenge plans. I feel like the, and I don't know, this may just be me. I feel like the whole buildup that they were getting into here about the whole social classism and everything. And, you know, Oh, there's a war coming. And yeah, we get a couple of scenes of people being pulled out from under their furniture and going out in front of this, you know, tribunal with Scarecrow and everything, but I feel like that just kind of peters out here in this middle section. Except right here, I'm going to tell SEAL Team 6, you can take us out of here, but you just have to make sure of one thing. There is no autopilot. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about, Mr. Fox? Oh, you'll find out sometime <laughs> in the future about... Stop winking! <laughs> the lack of auto- Uh, Hitchcock would be very disappointed in Mr. Nolan for all these scenes would work so much better with the audience knowing she was Talia. Yep. Because suddenly you'd be like, no, don't help her! No, don't get her out! Don't meet with this woman, she's bad news! Instead it's, oh, these random guys are getting killed that we don't know. Yeah, these guys who have been in the film for less than five minutes. Oh, look at me, I'm scary. I have the Brad Pitt coat from Fight Club. What do you have? (laughs) A members-only jacket? Oh. Help me find Slenderman. Get out of my city, you dick. More working out. Yep. And that actually was a a decent sequence of the bodies hanging from the bridge. 
they would have done something more like that, you would have feared these guys more. But it all just falls apart because it's not strong enough of a reason of why are we just letting these guys hold the city to they're not doing anything. They're just driving around with a bomb waiting for it to go off. What does that mean? They're terrorists, but that leader's kind of charismatic for some reason. Let's follow that guy. But is he? Is he really charismatic? <laughs> well, the script tells us yes. Because he's got followers. Oh, and then the one, two, threes. He's going to fail twice. He'll make it out the third time. Are you sure? Yeah, I was going to save it for the end, but I think right now is fine because ultimately we're going to start spiraling downward even quicker than we are. (laughs) I think the main problem that got backed into the corner with this movie and to a very lesser extent the first two is... Christopher Nolan's take, and it might have been other Goyer or whatever, but I think Christopher Nolan was the the mastermind of these. I think his take diverged so far from the actual character of Batman that that's why I have such a problem with it. Because audiences want... The inherent reason why we like Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, whatever, is that they're always around. They're always there. And Christopher Nolan went too far with his, it's a real take. It's a hyper-reality, but it's a reality. And in this reality, Bruce Wayne is not a huge muscular guy, and he wants to quit. Like, within a month of becoming Batman, all he talks about is... You don't want to do this forever. You want to quit. You have a death wish. You want to die. Quit being Batman. You're not Batman anymore. That's Well, in this film, he's really not much of a Batman. And that's just very antithetical to the character. I mean, the whole point of the character, this movie would have been better if he had gone and completely eliminated his Bruce Wayne persona Or made people think that Bruce Wayne was dead, but kept being Batman. Found a way to keep being Batman. And the little ending bit, spoiler, of him still being alive in the cafe is a very small hint at that. But it's it's a complete blown opportunity. That's that's interesting because you have that line, you have that kind of philosophy introduced by the Rachel character in Batman Begins about how his mask really is the persona of Bruce Wayne. So, yeah, I mean, based on what you were just saying, character-wise, it would have been more appropriate if we're talking about him casting off his mask and embracing what he truly is and everything like that. Yeah, he should have gone the opposite direction, right? Yeah, and like right there, the shot of him climbing out of the pit and then standing up with the silhouette to the sky. That's the hero pose. That means he's our hero. He's back. He's going to be here just long enough to go and presumably die carrying a bomb away or something. (laughs) But he'll die a hero. That's why this doesn't work, and that's why I don't have such a problem with them talking about doing 
Okay, we're rebooting Batman to be a part of a Justice League. Good. Then honor that character more, because I think, actually, of these three movies, I enjoy them all on different levels, but Dark Knight is the only one that is truly like Batman. And even that has some of some flaws when you say the character of Batman and what he should be versus what's in that movie. I was going to actually bring in an outside kind of source material thing again uh, that we've kind of talked about. You talk about staying true to the character and presenting it in a satisfying way and everything. Granted, it's much shorter. It's a totally different format and everything like that. But the story and the way the character is presented in the Arkham City, Arkham Asylum games and everything like that, uh, you would argue that that's a more... I guess, true version of the character? Yeah, in the sense of it being a comic book, that is absolutely the best representation I've seen in media of the Batman character. And even that has its minor issues because, I mean, it's a video game. It, it can't do everything. Sure. Uh, I mean, one of the bigger problems that people have had, if there's been any problems with those two video games, despite how successful they are, is that one of the major features of the character of Batman is the vehicles he has. You know, the Batboat, the Batmobile, the Batwing, the Batpod. He does have a lot of time to work on these vehicles, that's for sure. And that's the one thing that's missing in those games, is that you have no access to vehicles. I mean, the the first Ar Arkham Asylum game opens with an animatic of him driving to Arkham Asylum, and then that's it. And then you're just running around. And in Arkham City, you're just running around. And that's it. And so, But outside of that, everything else is, yeah, spot on. The, it just deals with it. It doesn't worry about supernatural versus real. It just is the city that it is. And it is the character that it is. Sorry, I got sucked into watching this uh, conversation between... Man in need of redemption? You shouldn't be on the That's streets, Jim. Especially just knocking on the door of Matthew Modine in pure daylight. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing your glasses and mustache, not having changed your appearance at all. At all, yeah. Yeah, wow. On a uh, <laughs> island of this size... <laughs> Over a five-month period, they really can't find this guy if he looks exactly the same? It's a and good point. And then I'm here to protect my father. I guess he, he's my father. Let me hear from my father. <laughs> Your what? My father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your father. He didn't care about until Bruce Wayne killed him. Sure. This movie just got too complicated for complicated sake. Where simple scenes. Wait, like this. speaking of, how did you get back in? <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you bring some more people with you? If you knew the way back in, why didn't you stop off at the Pentagon and say, "Hey, there's a way back into the city. Just, it's right here. It's called a bat tunnel." Did, did you show anyone else the way out so you can start getting people safely out of the city, looking out for life like Batman would? Oh, my God. Thank God you're alive. I felt so bad. I still want to be tough as nails, but wait, wait how did you get back here? 
Um, how do I get out? Uh, did, did you leave the door open to your little Batman tunnel escape hatch under the river that Fox built? For some reason, we're still talking about the clean slate. <laughs> <laughs> Does it really matter anymore? <laughs> City may be in terrible peril, but uh, here you go. Here's a carrot. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is all about sex. <laughs> the only way to get with Selena Kyle, just pretend like you got the clean slate program. She's <laughs> butter. It's just an empty eight gig hard drive. <laughs> it's just a jump drive he found in a store. <laughs> She's not going to have time to check. Yeah, this is going to work. She won't have time to go to a laptop. <laughs> right here's the clean slate. Now, let me show you my clean slate in the closet over there. <laughs> you owe me. <laughs> oh, oh wait, wait, wait. Now they found him. Yeah. And I wonder why they found him. Because of Talia. If we would have known that ahead of time, how much better this scene would have worked. Again, I keep hitting that point, but it's just the most obvious thing coming from this viewing. I got to tell you, I did I did enjoy, and I think everybody in the theater enjoyed seeing Colin Murphy show back up as Scarecrow here. Or Killian Murphy, yeah. Killian, Killian, ah. Bumber Bulls. <laughs> yeah, there we go, there we go, that's his name. <laughs> Bumblebee Hammer Pup. Blowing Charms Liver Pup. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah, that was a good, good cameo, good use. Where are they getting all these supplies from? Well, it is a big city, which True. again hold folds back on itself. Of well, if it's that big of a city and you can get these supplies, can't you figure a way out? We've only got all these people in five months. Well, yeah, reboot. It's kind of interesting if they if they wanted to go with the whole you know terrorism aspect. You you pointed out you know hanging the bodies from the bridge and everything like that. But did Bane really just like shoot off every single concrete explosion explosive he had? Wouldn't he like continue to try to terrorize the population in other ways? I mean, again, no, we had the wants... rich people getting drug out in the streets, but... No, you take back your city. I want to give you hope. Except I want to blow you up. But I... Oh, forget it. I don't even know what my own plan is. <laughs> because, again, this whole movie is just about getting boned, and all I want to do <laughs> is that woman. Look, how about we just go our own separate ways? You take Catwoman, I take this one. <laughs> it works. It <laughs> works, Bruce. <laughs> uh, the, the sign of a very expensive movie and a filmmaker who has every dollar available to him without question. Can we just recreate the entire set from The Dark Knight for one scene of Lucius Fox and Bruce Wayne going to pick up some shit? Sure, why not? Eh, it's just sitting around. Why not? Uh, 
Yet another one of our favorite scenes. So during this whole sequence, Bruce is still up on the finishing out his, <laughs> his Turk 182, like uh, hanging the graffiti oil from the bridge. Wait, that ear on the bat is informed perfectly. Let me swing over and get it. Damn it. Everybody ends up falling through the ice and dying because he's too busy being up there he's, doing theatrics. He's, he's got a He's buckled in like some utility worker with a hard hat over his his bat helmet hanging off the side of the bridge. So the element of surprise is a powerful one that he's been taught and deception is a powerful thing and everything, but he's going to go through all this trouble so that everyone knows he's back. And then comes the scene that says this movie has officially jumped the shark in my eyes. Okay, I'm sorry. He would not be getting back up from going down that that quickly. Uh, No, jagged concrete and wrought iron. Yeah, just top right back up. Uh, Yeah, no. The official jump the shark moment for me on the (laughs) second time I saw this right there. Wait, you have knockout darts? <laughs> Why aren't you just using these? And this movie's over in ten minutes. You can just mass produce these things and arm the citizens. And you've suddenly become the most powerful superhero on the planet, and you're still living by your one rule of not killing. All you have to do is use bat darts. And again, seeing this movie the first time, you get caught up in the emotion of the swell music, and you're like, oh, look, it's a bat symbol. But the second you scratch the surface into Logicville, it falls apart immediately. Wait, how'd he do that? (laughs) Impossible. using that earlier? It's impossible. Well, yeah, it is, because how the hell did this guy with a broken back get up there and do that in one day? I have another question. Why aren't these guys trying to get off the ice? Well, they're just going to stand there and have a conversation for a little while. <laughs> it's horribly dangerous being out on this ice that we were sent out here to die on, but uh, eh, stand around with these guys talk. I just need to get out of the whole piece of exposition. I just spent five months in a pit learning how to give exposition, so that's what I have to do right now. Okay. Good thing nobody's going to do this other than one at a time. Uh, if only these guys, thank God these guys with guns are standing five feet away don't just shoot <laughs> in the face. Yeah, that was not good editing. Yeah, that, that was my least favorite fight of the whole movie. Even the first time I saw it, I thought that instantly of, wait, this is classically awful. <laughs> this is oh there's 15 guys around and they're all going to wait one at a time with their uzis in their hands to not do anything and then as pointed out on another podcast really big vehicle that you don't hear until you see it on screen wait you hear that <laughs> damn thing start up from four miles away Well, luckily, he distracted him so he could come out and have that great reveal. See? There should be no need for the secret reveal of the bat at this point in the movie. Everyone has seen it. <laughs> I'll be right back. I gotta go get into my flying machine that doesn't have autopilot in case I forgot to mention it to you, too. 
and then uh, why is he still using the Batman voice at this point? <laughs> she knows exactly who you are. Why are you still trying to talk like this? It's not who I am. It's what I do. Great. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and and by the way, I checked your clean slate drive. Yeah, it was just, <laughs> it was just self pictures of you with shirtless. <laughs> Did you really think that was going to work, Bruce? <laughs> self pictures of you shirtless if you just shaved with the tattoo saying the clean slate <laughs> no, see the clean slate builds the romance how much cooler I mentioned it earlier but how much cooler would this be if this were a suited up Joseph Gordon Levitt who had been fighting the good fight while Bruce was gone. It would have definitely been a much cleaner movie, I think. Because, yeah, the task that the Blake character is given here in the big climax of the movie, it doesn't actually accomplish anything. He doesn't do anything. <laughs> in fact, he puts him closer to harm's way. Okay, now we will ignore all the laws of physics for the next few minutes. All those guys have guns. We don't. Yet we somehow get into a big fist fight with them? How does that work? Yeah. They've got cannons. Oh, and, and, and. We'll all just march up one lane. We won't, <laughs> even, try. We won't even try to flank them. Yeah, they're just there with nightsticks, aren't they? What exactly does the bat do here? I'd just love to know. Um, not enough. <laughs> I don't even know what he does. So he shoots that cannon away. Thanks. <laughs> Could you come back here and do something else? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe hook these things, drop those in the bay. <laughs> Good thing there weren't any guards standing around today. Like there were in the previous shot. At... <laughs> oh, oh, here we go. How are all the cops just not falling down dead? <laughs> I don't know. And why did the why did the criminals stop shooting? Yeah. Uh, no, let's go in <laughs> there and fight these guys with our hands. That didn't make any sense either. I said once Bruce came back and started talking to the apple holding Selena the movie really took a turn and here's my favorite hindsight of <laughs> watching the movie for the first time and realizing as I was watching it no have Batman land on a roof and glide down and kick this fucker in the face and just go oh good thing no one's messing with us so we can monologue yeah it is convenient. <laughs> so we can have time to talk about your sitter. <laughs> no, 
Oh, I came back here to stop you. No, you didn't. You're Batman. Punch that bastard in the neck. Right up placement for Gray, huh? Oh. And something that should have happened months ago finally happens. The flooding of the chamber. Too bad it's not going to do any good. Where did all the guards go to all of this sensitive stuff? There wasn't anybody at the barricade. There wasn't anybody down there when Lucius Fox ran in to go flood the chamber. Yeah, they brought all their weapons out to not fire them at the unarmed policemen who were <laughs> brawling with them. <laughs> Where is everybody? In the one concentrated block of the city, <laughs> suddenly, oh, hey, why, why don't the 12 million people realize uh, there's no one around? Why don't we just go? Oh, Batman is back in town since he sent up that big signal last night. I think I'll pull everyone back here. And then we'll just have another goofy fist fight <laughs> for some reason. There's nothing Batman about this fight. It yeah, is, you don't even really need to be in that outfit <laughs> to Rocky do this, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I trained hard to come back so I can beat Clubber Lang. Why didn't you do that the first fight? That thing's so glaringly obvious on his face, and it has something to do with him, and just punch it until it breaks. All right. This man can apparently shatter concrete <laughs> or stone or whatever. How does Bruce Wayne not have a big hole in him? Uh huh. <laughs> That's where they get the disparity. Well,. He doesn't because he's Batman. Well, no, according to you, he's not. He's just Bruce Wayne, and he can very easily die, and just like the rest of us. Wait, he's Batman. Well, no. Yep, he's pissed now. <laughs> yeah, this is where that voice gets really bad. <laughs> not that you need a whole lot of understanding, but it gets... Really bad right there for a few moments. Then you have my permission to die. And this is where you have that horrible moment where the cowl always causes someone's upper lip to look really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> where they start looking like Joaquin Phoenix. I'm going to sit here and have a long conversation. Again! <laughs> Can you ever help me find out where the Slender Man is? Oh, no. My revenge. This is the dumbest revenge plot I've ever heard. <laughs> you stabbed me. You stabbed me right in the ribs. Why would you do that? <laughs> Now I'm 
going to need more exposition. Jim Gordon, man of action. Why did they change the pronunciation of the character in this? Did we ever get an explanation for that, or it just happened? What do you mean? Isn't it like Talia, Talia? Isn't there like a difference? Well, the comic book has always said it's Raish Al Ghul and Thalia Al Ghul, and in uh, here it's Raz Al Ghul and Talia Al Ghul. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, why didn't you just start the movie there? <laughs> just have the little that, girl climb that out of been, the pit? <laughs> that would have been fine. Screw Bane. Just have Talia with henchmen. Well, like we said, it's like the B-team's working on this one, henchmen-wise. Don't even call him Bane. Just create a freaking character for this movie. And just call him out as a lackey or a henchman. Yeah, I have to say, when this reveal, quote-unquote, happened, um, I was disappointed because anything they'd been trying to do with Bane, with building him up to be a threat or whatever, just kind of went out the window for me right there. He just seems very much like a lapdog. And she, and even in this goofy M. Night Shyamalan twist attempt, it still doesn't even work because there wasn't enough set up in a rewatch of this movie to think, oh, so this is Talia's doing and here's Talia's doing. No, there was like two shots of Talia earlier on that look so like horribly placed, like, oh. On a rewatch, oh, look, there's Talia nodding sneakily. What does she mean by that? When you don't really have much to go back, it's like, oh, this whole thing was set up by Talia. It, there's nothing there that really says that. And and you know what really kills Talia in the end? She's too patient. <laughs> <laughs> I get to sit around and wait for years for my father so I can sit here with a knife in you. Oh. I'm going to take... I'm going to take five months to let the bomb go off. I'm not even going to set it off after I get you here and I've stabbed you because <laughs> I want to sit here and explain everything before we die. Uh, why are you stabbing me now? <laughs> not that I want to cause my own death, but like five months ago, we were like totally doing it on my floor. And, and I, I let me say, I was pretty vulnerable at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where things were going. <laughs> Alfred had just left. <laughs> it's that old bad stock exchange thing. <laughs> I mean, I even, you were even on top at certain sequences where you could have easily just strangled me. <laughs> <laughs> this, this doesn't make any sense. On anybody around. <laughs> 
I want you to feel the heat of five million souls. Well, we were kind of doing it by a fire, so he could have just done that. <laughs> just tell you, this doesn't make any sense. It seems needlessly convoluted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm bleeding profusely. <laughs> you failed, Bruce. At, at oh, you've, you've served me so well. You've done so much. See ya. <laughs> You failed me, Bruce. You have failed, Bruce. At what? I sort of like <laughs> banged you. I killed your dad. It was a dick. <laughs> I got Bane on the ropes. And, uh, yeah, this is pointless. No, not Matthew Modine. Yes, Matthew Modine. No! Yeah, that was a worse. It's cut. a character we never got to. No, <laughs> that really. was the worst cut of the movie, right there. He's standing. He's shooting. Shoot them all! And suddenly, he's completely sprawled he's, out, like he's been dead he's for dead. twenty minutes. Yes. <laughs> Again, big vehicle, really loud. Didn't hear that coming in. <laughs> Driving in through the door, the glass doors. Yeah, were they were the doors open or did she have to shoot through them or what how'd that happen? There was enough kick to the guns to go through the glass and vein. Where did he store the bat? That's my question. Where did he land that thing? If he landed on a rooftop again. It was on a roof and it was oh oh, you mean now. Yeah, okay. like it would have been so much cooler. So much cooler if he had glided down to beat up Bane, but then <coughs> I get so upset about it I sneeze on live audio. <laughs> but then he's bleeding profusely. How long did it take him to get back up to the bat? <laughs> that would have hmm. been a whole mini movie in and of itself. It's watching, running up all these stairs. Watching a bleeding Bruce Wayne trying to climb a rope up a side of a building to get to the bat. Damn it. Right. Why didn't Lucius Fox fix the autopilot? I gotta have that wing down here in a minute. Yeah, this whole thing with Blake just feels like filler. I guess it's supposed to build up the tension, but it just feels like filler. This whole movie seems so centered around Blake for no reason. The whole, it's eight years since he's been Batman just so we can age his character to an appropriate age from a young orphan for that stupid story. And now it's, well, we got to show him doing something. Well, let's just show him on a bridge or something. Well... Come to think of it, he hasn't been very successful through this entire movie with most of what he has tried. So why is he now Batman? <laughs> he's good enough. Why? Because he's an orphan with a heart of gold. And I really get the suspicion from seeing Marion Cotillard in this whole end sequence. Like, 
she only did this as a favor to Christopher Nolan and really didn't want to be there. Every <laughs> shot of her inside these vehicles. She, she, she looks kind of bored. She looks so annoyed and bored. Like, I am so above these things. This is so stupid. <laughs> Maybe she's like the rest of us. What's going on? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why would my character wait so long, Mr. Nolan? <laughs> I don't have a good Christopher Nolan voice to get to. <laughs> something British or something. Uh, British or something? Uh, <laughs> to make a Lamborghini and a Humvee merge together. Well, she mastered driving that thing pretty fast, I'll say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the whole premise of this movie is Batman running away from something. <laughs> <laughs> the entire purpose of him with the bat is just flying away from something. Well, he is suicidal Batman in this film. Uh, maybe that's got something to do with it. Who knows? What are you doing with that bat? Oh, it helps me get away from things. <laughs> Well, you just went down and helped start the police battle, but all you did was jump down and then hurry and quick and fly away. Gosh, I forgot how long it takes Lucius to flood that chamber, at least the way this is edited together. Well, it's an accident. Like, it was programmed to automatically flood or something. Right. And he's sitting there trying to tell him, remember... He's trying to get them to direct the bomb so he can hook it up. So that's why it's taking so long. Okay, so... Okay, so she, Gordon just she's, bounced she's, around. Yeah, <laughs> she's horribly, fatally wounded by that crash. He's been getting knocked around with a nuclear bomb. And he's, oh. his arm's a little sore. <laughs> oh, my glasses are still on, though. <laughs> yeah, his glasses are fine. <laughs> Whereas she's just kind of uncomfortably seated. Right. <laughs> You couldn't have put a little blood on her face or anything. I mean, she's just like pristine. If her neck's broken, she wouldn't be able to talk. That, that's true. Again, I think she's, Marion she's Cotillard. Bleeding in, she's bleeding internally. I think Marion Cotillard had wanted nothing to do with this movie. She just literally just sat there like, this is the best you're going to get from me. I'm just going to sit here. <laughs> and do the worst <laughs> death ever <laughs> okay all right <laughs> that's kind of how i feel right now yeah that, that look kind of summed it up <laughs> uh, what's going on <laughs> what i'll just go ahead and die already i have to tell people about my lack of autopilot all right, the other thing that I kind of enjoyed there was, okay, you're under a massive time crunch. You've just gone through all this trouble to get to this bomb, stop the truck that it's on, and yet you stand around and waste how long <laughs> listening, listening to, to her <laughs> rather than trying to get rid of the bomb? Oh, why, why did they have to put this in? I liked it the first time I saw it, but then again, you scratch the surface of logic and think, 
This is the only guy in town. The yeah, police that's, commissioner. Can't that's this the out. problem. The guy who's been in this whole thing, hip deep with him, and yeah. It, it would it'd be so much more resonant if not everyone else had figured out it was Bruce Wayne. <laughs> exactly. Again, coming in another part of the film, it might have worked fine. But yeah, him being the last one to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, the way Christopher Nolan had this set up, that actually would have, if everything else in this movie were the same, that little sequence with Gordon would have worked so much better before Bane broke his back. True. And had that little flashback so that when he comes back, A, it would mean that we would he would have no reason to use the friggin' Batman voice anymore. Everyone would know who he is. Uh, we can retire that. We can retire that, guys. But how much more it would mean for all these people to be personally involved with him being personally involved. Mm-hmm. And everyone knowing yet who it is. All right, now. For the controversy, controversy at the end here. I don't see much controversy because I see a lot of time about, uh, uh, elapsing between the shot of him in the cockpit and then there's several different cuts. There's an elongated and then the clock and then you got yeah, but that was the cl- by the clock from that shot from him to the clock was five seconds before the explosion happens. Well, if the thing's going like 400 miles an hour, uh, it's going 200 miles an hour. Well, so Bruce Wayne's got a little bit of radiation poisoning <laughs> as he sits in the say, cafe. <laughs> he's going to be one of the X Men next. <laughs> <laughs> He really will be a bat. <laughs> he becomes man bat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. A part of me just says, uh, if I, I would have been fine if you, you know, you don't necessarily want to end on a downbeat, but it's like if you wanted to take the character that far, take him in that direction, especially with the way you've set him up in this particular film and everything, I would have accepted that reality. And I would have accepted that choice by that character. Or what kind of balls would it have taken for Warner Brothers to tell him, no matter what you're doing with Dark Knight Rises, when it ends, it's leading into a Justice League tied universe. Yeah. So at the end, in the cafe, Clark Kent's sitting there and says, I saved Bruce Wayne. And they just say, (laughs) screw it. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, John Blake, that is now the Batman of this universe. And we are going to get to know him. And he's going to be created for the cinematic universe as Batman. Go with it. Oh, no. More weepy Alfred. <laughs> Again, way taking too long. <laughs> Just real easy. I failed you, and then leave. He didn't even have to say anything. Exactly. You really Why? didn't need a line there. Man, isn't that the uh, the end all be all of this movie? You didn't have to say anything. <laughs> 
No, I came back here to stop you. Shut up and punch him in the Adam's apple. Oh, we gotta talk man to man. Much more interesting would it have been in Ballsy to just make this whole ending sequence just nothing but a music over montage. No so, dialogue. So does this city have any cops left or, or, or any criminals left after that melee or? No, but they have a statue builder. I was going to say, they seem to get this city back together pretty quick. It will make an interesting Man of Steel 2 <laughs> to see how they handle building the city. Yeah, good point. <laughs> you have the Smallville Memorial Town. <laughs> That's all that there is anymore. And these are good touches. These uh, For the, the movie that this is all by itself, they're good touches. But for being a Batman movie... It just doesn't work. Right here, he should have said, my real name, Dick Grayson. Come on. Don't hide from this, the history. Okay. Continue the autopilot drinking game. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I didn't fix the autopilot. I need to know, was it Andy Dufresne who solved the <laughs> autopilot problem? So, did the terrorists just not find the keys to the other bats that were laying around in the R&D section? <laughs> they just found the tumbler keys, or what? And apparently, everyone in the city legitimately, besides James Gordon, knows he's Batman, because even these technicians are like, Oh, this thing that looks like Batman's thing? Oh, it was fixed oh, by yeah. Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne was working on it. You know, <laughs> hey, where is Bruce Wayne anyways? Oh, did he die the same day as the Batman? Huh. It's interesting. <laughs> We're going to pretend. Yeah, and another bad sequence. It, that's, mm. that's the World Trade Center Tower being built back there by in New York. They had, took no effort of digitally altering anything. Nolan's got his love for the practicality and using what he's got, but going back to the football stadium and some other sequences in Pittsburgh they shot during that chase, you couldn't have cut out like the Saks Fifth Avenue or anything that <laughs> immediately says where you are. And well, we did, we did keep the Dorito ads. Come on. God, just completely <laughs> takes you out of it. Should have done the Inception ending and just ended right there with Michael Caine's nod. Uh, again, yeah, I might have been fine with that, leaving it open-ended. And who was he nodding at? Clark Kent. <laughs> <laughs> and John Blake doesn't rise on a platform. He turns on the back computer, and all of a sudden you see pictures of all the Justice League members on the computer. Ooh, yeah, that definitely would have gotten people talking. Did you see the ending of the Dark Knight? Oh, my God. I left you something on the computer. There's some people to find. And this is where I think DC playing catch-up might, you know, hurt potentially what you could set up a little bit. 
they just never thought about doing the shared universe when they let this series go. Yeah, I just thought of that one on the fly, but that actually would have been a hell of an ending is have him turn on the bat computer and all of a sudden you see these like lo- these familiar logos pop on screen and these like police like pictures of Hal Jordan and Clark Kent and Yeah, that definitely would have been interesting. Heck, you could have even made it more, at least for me, plausible that he yeah, escape the nuclear blast and everything like that if you'd already established that he was in contact with people like Superman or whoever. So, yeah, yeah, they could have gotten saved by one of them, sure. Bruce, Bruce Wayne can rise again. Well, and that's the ending credits with the lack of autopilot. So we went through the whole damn movie. <laughs> really, really long. What did we come out on the other side as we crawled through that river of shit? <laughs> well, I guess my takeaway from the film is you definitely had some nice touches in there, like you said. Um, I think, again, I don't have a problem with the acting. But the plot just gets so convoluted. You've got too many competing characters in there, and you just needed to kind of streamline and simplify with it. Yeah, at hindsight, the thing, I I think we covered every way that we've already (laughs) went hindsighted. (laughs) So we'll have to put in our pitch here as to what exactly we would do step by step. Agreed. And it's tough to say what would we do between what we were given versus starting from scratch. That's tough to do. I think we could take the bare bones of it. and I mean, even if we just rework some of the sequencing like we were talking about with how this thing, where exactly you begin with this and, you know, distilling maybe a couple of these characters down and, you know, just figure out ways to make the character be more true to himself. Because through this whole movie, I, it doesn't feel like Batman or Bruce Wayne really wants to be in it. That seems like a common motif we keep coming back with. Is <laughs> Christian Bale doesn't seem like he really wants to be there. Marion Cotillard doesn't seem like she really wants to be there. Joseph Gordon-Levitt seems over eager to want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I get to be Batman at the end of this? Sign me up! (laughs) Maybe I'll just leave it there. They should have done more with the Nightfall, and then I like that little idea at the end of having him turn on the Bat computer, and there's... He was doing some detecting work, and there's some familiar symbols that pop up. Could have been cool. Yeah, and I like your idea about Alfred just nodding and us not seeing who he's nodding to. That would have been that would have been fine. Absolutely. Would have been our Sopranos ending. <laughs> and Warner Brothers probably would have loved him for it. Yeah, probably. I mean, you talk about passing things off or leaving things open-ended to go wherever they wanted it to go from that point. That would have fit the bill. <laughs> Without having to include any of this shit. <laughs> 
<laughs> Christian Bale could have made a cameo here or there. He could have been the uh, Robert Downey Jr. of the DC universe. He could have just showed up here and there as Bruce Wayne while Joseph Gordon-Levitt runs the show as the Batman. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot, actually. Could have been done very well. <laughs> just see that image of just the Bat computer turning on. Oh, man, I didn't see this coming with my orphan smile detecting skills. <laughs> I got to start training these other orphans to help me out. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The greatest detectives you can ever find are orphans. They can look at someone's smile and tell them exactly what they're thinking. So is that our Dark Knight Rises debunk? I think we've said about all we can about it at this point. Yep. Yeah, two and a half hours is a long movie, especially one that we're both fading out on <laughs> on interest. <laughs> it was a it was a unique and interesting time in our movie history, and it'll be curious. It will be curious to see where we go from here with the DC world as we sit in 2013. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm going to be very interested, you know, whether it's with the Justice League movie or whether it's with a new, you know, reboot, a new reimagining of uh, the Batman universe and the Batman character. But I'm going to be very interested to see what exactly it is that they try to do with this character moving forward uh, with the legacy of all of these films, all of these Nolan films kind of behind it. Could be intriguing. Uh, they, somebody's got their work cut out for them. That's all we can say. Yep. How can how can you eliminate people's memories of this Nolan trilogy very quickly? Because that's all they can do now. You kind of you kind of wonder if this is might do for Batman what Donner did with Superman and this is going to be the gold standard that everything gets measured against for decades to come. It's very possible. You almost already have that with Heath Ledger. You almost have that in that well, we're going to have to do Batman again, we're going to have to do Joker again and by the time they get around to that, it's going to be nothing but, there's no way you can beat Heath Ledger, what are you, crazy? Mm -mm. Yep, you are definitely going to be hearing that conversation at some point in the future because in order to hold on to these properties, Warner Brother needs to keep pumping out material with this character in it. So It's going to be very interesting. Uh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, then it's time to wrap this baby up. The Dark Knight has risen again and for me probably has fallen back down into a pit of blackness that i probably won't watch <laughs> again for a really long time i've lost interest yeah i think uh i think this one might stay out of the rotation for a bit for me as well fair enough all right well that was a podcast that was the size of a tangerine <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, right. everybody. Later. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes, 
or at EnceladusLiterary.com. Why the fuck does he think in that voice? Like, I want a cup of milk and a cookie. <laughs> Alfred. I need to take a bad shit, but I like this movie. If I can wait just five minutes. Like, is that his internal monologue? Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. You're Whose name? We don't even know. Perhaps Bruce Wayne. Oh my god, he hasn't left yet. Okay, but... Ah! Talia, Al Ghul, here to finish my father's work. But we totally had sex. Yes, I, I know. No, like, hardcore. Three times. It was all a cruel ploy to gain your confidence. That was a cruel ploy. Sign me up for another. It was great.